Whether marching out to war or assembling to defend their holds, a dwarf throng is a spectacular sight. Since the dawn of time, enemies have quailed when confronted by rank after rank of grim dwarf warriors, each bearing intricately wrought weapons and the finest armor. Whether behind shield walls or aiming their deadly engines of war, they burn with a furious desire for vengeance. All right, and we are back, and here we are with the meat and potatoes with all the big war machines, cannons, grudge throwers, bolt throwers, flame throwers, and whirlybirds. And whirlybirds. Giggity, giggity. <laughs> all right, uh, the cannon. Cannon's a little more expensive, isn't it? Yeah, but it needed a point increase for what it does. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, and plus, the old cannon was only D3. You had to put a, you had to put someone uh, near it. No, the or, old cannon... Said it was it did D three. I mean, it, it implied it did D three, but the rule book is what said it did D three. When Eighth Edition came out, and even small cannons went to D six, it went to D six as well. Oh, that's right, it did. Yes, it did. So they had to have an FAQ to give the the engineer something to do because <laughs> it used to make it go D six. But at one hundred and twenty points, it's still a steal. Um, it's still the best way of dealing with demon princes. Frostheart phoenixes, mm-hmm. um, ogres you don't want to touch, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Well, and let's, it's, it's, I remember, this is what you always hear, especially when I remember when Christopher would be on. Chris, you would laugh about this. We would talk about this. You'd be like, oh, this is this thing is too good. It's so great. Well, yeah, but two cannons will kill it. Well, two cannons will kill anything. And it's basically, that's my favorite mantra. Two cannons will kill anything. And the Pretty dwarfs much. have it in spades. It should be that way if you think about it. I mean, you're being hit by a giant ball of, you know, pain and flames. Mm-hmm. So you, anything should die to two cannonballs if it, if it hits them. And you can ruin these puppies up, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, we up often ruin do. Up to 100 points. Do you ruin it up? I mean, how much do you give it? Because then you're looking at a potentially 220-point war machine, which is a I'm lot. I'm honestly only ever putting a flaming rune on one. Really? Uh, you're not going to put the forging on it? No, it's the when you're. I'd rather spend that that twenty five points and put the forging rune on my organ gun, or um, the rune of accuracy on my stone thrower, which doubles the chance of it hitting. Um, that tw- the the cannon hits the vast majority of the time. The stone thrower doesn't. So I mean, the cannons are at one hundred and twenty five points. You have a flaming cannon that still hits. A little over fifty, a little under fifty percent of the time, um, and that's pretty epic um, for a war machine. Yeah, see, I always took it a different way. My trifecta when I have the three units, when I have a grudge thrower, a cannon, and a flamethrower, the grudge thrower gets the accuracy, the cannon gets the forging, and the um, organ gun gets uh, both the accuracy and the forging. Mm-hmm. So. That, All that's, just, number, that's totally a legitimate build, but I'm fitting in four war machines in my my main build. Yeah, so I've got to cherry pick a little bit off to try and afford that fourth war machine. I missed the rune that allowed you to fire every turn, even if you misfired the turn before. Um, I think it didn't let you misfire fire if the misfire happened. I think it just let you if the if you lost crew, right? No, it was if you misfired because that was if you did if it. Uh, here, let me find it real quick. 
Because that was my favorite. Because that was the one that always pissed off Christopher. <laughs> He's like, really? Where is it? Not fortitude, not penetrating. Rune of Reloading. War Machine can shoot every turn as long as there is at least one crewman left, even if it rolled a misfire in the previous turn. Nice. So as long as you have crew, it's firing. That's pretty epic. Uh, that one Six went. Point rune? That that one went the way of the of the dodo, though. Uh, it, the rune of challenge. Long made a. Yeah, it was a ten point piece. rune. For ten points, it got to fire every turn, no matter what. Best rune in the in the pack, and it was gone. But let's not dwell over the past. <laughs> Live in the now. Let's not grumble. I, like I said, I like to keep my cannons um, cheap. Flaming rune on one, but your rune of forging totally makes sense because there's nothing worse than popping that misfire when you have a really good shot lined up. Um, playing cannons, I I actually am playing two cannons right now, and I'll put one out to my flank, which will make it actually actually really effective because when the ogres and stuff start running towards your line or get close, mm-hmm. you're char- you're shooting Into down the their ranks. Yeah. And, and they have to devote some resources then to go out and get that cannon. Exactly. And if you have gyrocopters, they're probably sending a cat at it where right. your gyrocopters can kill the cat. At which point now they have to redirect a much larger unit after it, which is not going at your line. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of hosed. Um, that cannon out on my flank, I played the I played against dwarves yesterday with ogres. And that uh. cannon was, I killed all of his other war machines except for that far cannon. Um and that cannon had messed me up. I lost four ogres to one shot. Oof. Ouch. Um, so, yeah, it's totally worth doing if mm-hmm. you have an extra cannon and you don't want to put it behind your war machines. Just because they have to divert uh, stuff to it. And uh, if they don't, then it's a cannon that is just free range to shoot down yeah, the opponent. It's going to hurt him bad. I like that. That's a good deployment. And that and there's, and there's your... Uh... Six of one, half a dozen of the other. You could get four war machines for the cost of three ruined up war machines, really tooled up. So, m- I mean, my three are going to have a better chance of hitting and a better chance of getting that damage done when I use them. Uh, his are only slightly less chance, and he's got a whole other one to fire. So, I mean, it's both both legit builds. Um, plus, my problem is you ruin it up like that, and now it's a 170-point cannon. Mm-hmm. And now this because when when some if something does get through the line and hit it, it's one hundred seventy points. Spendable because none of right. none of what we spent points on make them more survivable in combat. Yeah, and that's the thing. Or if, survivable to a mis, uh, magic missile. Yeah, your eagle gets through. Something else gets right. through and hits it. It's like, ugh, it's going to die, and it's a lot of points to lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I do uh, bring an engineer, I will actually um, make that one on the far flank. I will entrench that one. A lot of the times, in case they are, do send little stuff at it to kill it, because it keeps it alive a lot mm-hmm. longer. Either that or always entrench the organ gun. Yes, I, I, I go back and forth. And then throw the engineer, if they start getting close, throw the engineer in front of it to slow him down? Mm-hmm. Slow him down, or to tr- he can charge out and kill things like, like cats, because the engineer with two strengths, six attacks, mm-hmm. can kill yep. a cat. Cool. So we did mention the grudge thrower real quick. Um, once again, similar... You know, it's, it's pretty much the same as before, except I think the price just changed a little bit. Um, no, eighty points, still eighty I'm points. Surprised I didn't see a you see a huge point bump, to be honest, because the last book was designed back in sixth edition when templates had uh, partial hits were hit on a four plus, 
and now partials all hit. Mm. Right? So at 80 points, it's still a pretty huge bargain. Um, the problem is it's only strength three that are non-direct hits. So I am occasionally putting a penetrating on them to boost its strength. So then it's four and ten, four, four with the ten in the center. Yep, and then the rune of accuracy is just a must um, because the the grudge throw at the end of the day is a second is a second or third cannon because it can also be used to snipe out large things that you just don't want to fight, uh, like uh, frost fangs or uh, mourn fang or juggernauts. I can Help pull the juggernaut yeah. model out. Yeah, true. Uh, and so that rune of accuracy ensures that I get that strength. 10 or 9 or 10 hit on the thing I don't want to hit. Yeah, it's also it, good uh, anti-war machine shooting. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were going to talk about that in tactics earlier, later. Oh, okay. But, um, just the first thing is always to pull the thing, always attack the thing that's attacking your long-range stuff. Sure. So but so that's the organ. Do we want to cover the organ gun? Because those are the kind of the holy trifecta of war machines. Well, I mean, we still have the bolt throwers in special. Do we want to even mention them? I mean, I haven't used one in a while. Well, we can come back. To, I was just kind of thinking that. Oh, okay. The so we'll no, jump into rare and talk about the organ gun. So the holy trifecta is the three war machines you're going to see the vast majority of the time when you play dwarves, and it's the organ gun, the stone thrower, and the cannon. They're all fantastic war machines. Um, organ gun is right now is pretty awesome. Um, wouldn't you agree? I would agree, and I think it's because. And here's, you know, when we were talking the fluff last episode. You know, we was talking about how the dwarf book, the old book, said how the dwarfs, you know, they were sort of on the decline, and now you see, you know, this sort of age of new hope. The old book also, the organ gun and the flame cannon were those newfangled weapons that nobody trusted. You weren't allowed to put runes on them because they weren't trustworthy weapons. Mm-hmm. Now in the new book, you can put 50 points on a flame cannon or an organ gun. Only half of what you can put on the tried and true weapons. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, you can put engineering runes on them now. So this just made them all. I mean, th- it just opens up the door because yep. a couple of runes on an organ gun, and you're re-rolling your artillery dice if you roll a misfire. And so you've got a good chance that you're going to get a nice. You know, you're, you're not going to misfire. And then the rune of accuracy means that it's hitting on, uh, you know, fours instead of fives. So, Gary, I know you do, you typically take your war machines cheap. Do you do the same thing in the case of the organ gun? Yes. Um, the organ gun's the one where you really can't get away from adding rune of accuracy, rune of forging. Um, the rune of forging is the only thing I would drop off that is if I know I've got a dedicated engineer next to it. Because mm-hmm. that cuts the cost of the war machine and lets me invest those points in the engineer. So that's 25 points that I can spend on an engineer now that I don't have to spend on that that rune. Excellent. Because the engineer ab- allows you to re-roll that, yeah. Exactly. So it's the same exact thing, and he also adds that extra bonus of plus one to hit, which is awesome. Um, only thing, I, I mean, I've seen people put the rune of penetrating on the organ gun, um, and that is pretty rough. Um, strength a strength six organ gun. Ugh. You don't make friends that That's way. Brutal. Oh. <laughs> you don't make friends that way. So just just saying. I mean, I've I've seen it run both ways, and that strength six organ gun, um, it pulls down very large things. Admittedly, oh, yeah. with the engineer next to it, is why is why you're bringing it that way. Mm-hmm. So the engineer will make it a ballistic skill four organ gun. Um, 
and you'll still get to reroll the misfire because of the engineer. Um, but that's strength six. You're pulling off. You're wounding on twos at that point. Yeah. So you're sacrificing the bonus to hit for a significant bonus to wound. It's nice. Pretty it's, brutal. It's a nice weapon. Oh, by by nice we mean bad. Very bad. <laughs> by nice we mean nice for us. Exactly. <laughs> nice for us. We can... Strength six with armor piercing into a unit of one up save stuff. They 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 feel that in the morning. <laughs> so now there's the other two. Now since we're in the rares, why don't we just grab that flame cannon? Hundred forty okay. points. I like the flame cannon. Oh, I have a one of the old school like barrel ones painted up. Mm-hmm. I, lo- I I still love the flame cannon. I just have a very hard time affording it. Yeah, and very short range means it could be out of range at the point where the opponent's in range to charge it. Yeah, and that is the. Pro- I just I God, I just love it though. I mean, it's got the. It's basically it's 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 the same rules for a fire thrower from the rulebook, except this has got multiple wounds D three. Mm-hmm. So. If you can get this thing to hit something like ogres or something like that, those mo- it's just peeling them off. Um, plus, but you can also do the spout of flame, which you can guess range up to twelve inches, twelve inches forward, right? And then do the burst. But there's no way to reroll the misfire on that one, hmm. right? But still, I mean, bef- I mean, that was the biggest nerf. Was we? I loved the flame cannon in the in the in seventh ed, and now the rules state. You put the template at the at the end of the barrel, roll the artillery dice, and that's how much it moves forward. Mm-hmm. And now, if you put that, sh- you know, use that uh, use that supercharge, you can actually get that range. So I could pick twelve inches up, then roll the artillery dice and add that. Mm-hmm. So you've got a fourteen to twenty inch range, and then the template itself is eight inches long. Mm-hmm. So. You can be getting that stuff right across the field on the on turn one. You could be burning stuff out. You can, but you also, I mean, you could also be missing a lot. Um, and that's that. That's the that's the thing about the organ gun. I'm sorry, not the organ gun, the flame cannon. When it hits, it hits hard and makes makes people cry. Um, but the cool thing is, is, if you're not putting runes on it, it's still pretty relatively cheap uh, organ gun. I'm sorry, uh, cheap war machine. So that 140 points can cause a lot of damage, and it's relatively cheap compared to a ruined-up organ gun. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The biggest problem is basically just comes down to the points. Like, do you have the points to spend? Mm-hmm. That's and, usually the first thing that uh, gets cut out, right? Yeah, it's kind of is for me. I haven't, I haven't actually taken one yet, although I do love it in theory. Uh, I haven't taken one yet since the new books come out, only because I haven't had the points to spend on it. I dropped one on a unit of um, of uh, Swordmasters, and they did not oh, like it. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a lot and of I was really glad at that point I didn't put like a cheap rune on them because they had that Banner of the World Dragon. and uh. It wasn't Magical Flame. It was just regular flame, and they still burned brightly. <laughs> <laughs> Who's up for some barbecue? Oh, that might be a nice thing to take against your, your damn... Uh... Dragon Princes? Dragon. Okay. Oh no, the dragon prince. They got what's their? What's uh, they got the super yeah, lord against let's flaming? Let's edit that part out, Dave. Right. <laughs> edit that too. Let's go with. Let's go with. Uh, There's nothing I can do against lines, that. Though. Your damn cheap four wide ten thousand. Oh, I just hate that. That that the dragon prince boss. I hate your dragon prince. We'll talk dragon ta- We'll talk that in tactics. All right. So then there's the bolt thrower, which is like he just they he just got shoved to the side. Poor bolt thrower. Not bad for fifty five points though. It's nice and cheap. Can do some damage. I would like to mourn the loss of the champion engineer. 
Mm. Champion yeah. Engineers used to make the your bolt throwers bliss skill four. And so and it also gave them a fourth wound. So it was like bonus. That's a fifteen point you pay every time. And uh, you lost that now, but and they upgraded the cost of the bolt thrower fifteen more points. Oof! Ouch. So well, yeah, well ten. Like a double. Well, it used to be yeah ten points. I'm sorry. Um, so it was like a double kick to the to the cojones at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, I have a very hard time fielding them. <laughs> if I am going to field them, I'm going to throw them out on my far flanks to try okay. and get as many flank shots as possible. Yeah, they wind up getting just left in the box. They're just. <laughs> Compared to if I'm if I'm taking three or four, you, you're going to have a Gretsch or you're going to have a cannon, mm-hmm. and really the the organ gun has just taken the place of the cheap two cheap pull throwers were great when you only when you could get points for half a unit or you want to take something down, but it's just and not ta- making them so they're they're not bullets skill four now, it just it makes them so not as good. I mean, yep. you could put the run of accuracy on them, but then their points call you're. You're just chasing what used to be, and that's just not. A, it's not cool. Yeah, you're throwing. You're throwing good points after bad at that point. So, all right. So we have two flying machines now. I've got a flying machine now. Uh, gyrocopters, eighty points, mm-hmm. which is way cheaper than before. Yes. Still got good stats. A toughness five flyer. Um. It's got the relentless, so it doesn't have to worry about march. It can basically always fly, mm-hmm. which is just awesome. Because for what you're using it for, running it here and there and everywhere, the fact that you don't even have to worry about testing for for uh, for moving a full twenty is great. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's okay. It's it's got the steam gun, and the steam gun is finally hitting on partials. Yes, that's fantastic. After lots and lots of moaning and complaining. It hits on partials. Here's the question. Now, you can swap it out for a brimstone gun for free. Yeah, the answer is no. Yeah, the br- <laughs> Brimstone gun, 18-inch range, strength 5, armor piercing, dwarf crafted, flaming attacks, multiple shots, D3, quick to fire. So I get basically three strength 5 armor piercing shots. No, you get D3 shots. Oh, So uh, on average, you're averaging two. Right. And they're ballistic skill three, so you're probably missing with one or both of them. Mm-hmm. Who? Wh- 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 why? I mean, what's the point of this? Maybe they just wanted another thing to put on the kit. And it's a glorious kit. I've put together two of these things. And besides the fact that I personally hate Legos and it feels like a Lego kit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. People are going to hate on me for hating Legos. I am just never got into them as a kid. Um, but, like, that's it, friends. man. That's the only thing I can think of you'd want to do with it is they put they put another option on the kit for it. I can see one purpose and only one purpose, and that's if you're flying a bunch of gyrocopters, you have one with the flaming attacks so that during the shooting phase you could take away regen. That's what, yeah. So that you're that's what everything else is for, man. Right. We got flaming on my cannon. I got flaming on uh if I'm fielding four war machines, two of them are flaming. Right, but what I'm saying is I want to take my flaming attacks to take out big stuff. My strength three armor piercing, uh, uh, or my strength three armor piercing steam gun is, you know, I, I don't want to use that against big monsters. I want to use that against other units. And, you know, even, I mean, even if I was going against trolls, they're, what are they, tough four or tough five? Tough, tough four. four. Tough four. Wait, wounding, yeah. It, 
I'm not shooting a cannon at a unit of trolls to because to, I, I want to focus on the big monster. I'm, I, but the Orkney Goblins don't really have that many big monsters besides giants. That's true. Well, I was thinking warriors. But I, I the the question comes in damage potential, okay? And since you're building your bliss blind and you don't know what you're fighting, okay? Right. The potential with a steam gun is ungodly better. You're looking oh. at 29 optional hits mm-hmm. to a maximum of three. Oh, I'm not saying I take the brimstone gun. I just don't get it. Like, here's an option you'd never want. Like, who wrote that? And I mean, I know Vitae wrote this. Maybe they're building but... it in for the next edition, and maybe next edition that'll be the coolest thing ever, and I'm going to regret building mine with steam guns. But <laughs> right now, I just don't see it. I don't either. But, you know, I feel like I'm a member of the Engineers Guild just hating on all the new stuff. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like... Oh, that'll never cut it, you know. But it just—it was—it was not the greatest invention. I do like their dive bomb rule. I do like being able to fly in on that first turn where you're flying a full twenty, trying to either get behind their ranks or out of the way. You, so you're moving twenty inches, so you can't use the steam gun. Mm-hmm. Here's still an opportunity to drop something, do a little damage, either take out some chaff or just just do a couple wounds to that unit, just soften it up a little bit. It was a, it was a nice little addition. So on that first turn, when you want to go full out twenty inches, it you're not completely wasting all of your attack. Absolutely, think, it adds such a huge level to the protection of your war machines that it's invaluable. Because uh, chaff coming in, you can take out cats, um, harpies, or fast cav. Adepticon, we I a guy had two big ten man units of those uh, skirmisher uh, gutter runners. Flew ah. right over them, cleared both of them off with since I flew one over each. Oof, nice, and nice. Fled off the table, and it was just like, well, that's that that that, that was awesome. And I don't think I'll ever see that again. <laughs> but that would that was just a that, that's like a free gimme, like eighty points. That's the free just here, just take this as well, you know. Now, do you yeah. vanguard any? Because you can vanguard half rounding up. So I don't because the twenty inch move lets you read. Vanguard is really about redeploying, to be honest. And if you Vanguard, you can't charge on turn one anyways, uh, unless you go second. Well, I'm not charging with these guys because I'm constantly flying over stuff and, and, and flaming I sh- it. I, if, I, if I go up against another dwarf player, I'm running them right at his war machines. Um, oh, I can see so, that. Yeah, okay. Um, against, going against a high elf player, I'm running them right at their, their bolt throwers. Mm-hmm. Get those things out of the game early so I can concentrate on the other stuff. Um, but... Uh, See, I, I I like to take one with a Vanguard, if for no other reason than I want to, if I can move my Vanguards up first, I can slow down your Vanguards, because you can't move within 12 inches of your opponent, so I fly it up, and then your stupid uh, Brolocks can't come flying up, they've got to move all the way around to get around my guy. But they can't. The, the thing is, though, like when they do, when they Vanguard up like that, they then they can't charge you on turn one, right? When they if they get the first turn. And you just fly over them and, and kill them anyways, just with your regular move. Um, for me, the the or the 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 gyrocopters, I'm sorry, are the best throwaway unit in the game. They have significant damage potential. They have significant um, protection bonuses, and the redirecting value is just out of this world. So, twenty points on something that's going to die every. In my opinion, my gyrocopters are going to die every game. 
but that's just an awesome 80 points mm-hmm. that will die in in glory every time. Like I would paint my I, like I should I should put like Slayer crests uh, on the for each glorious death. Just paint, they will have a glorious death. Just red rings around white, like little targets on them. I like it. I like it. But uh, cool. oh, I'm sorry, but the, I'll I just say it. Vanguard's it's worth it's it's valuable, but it's 20 more points that I'm having a very hard time finding. True. And like I said, I know Chris had the Eagles, and I've uh, I I always thought Chris is, that that the high elf Eagles were some of the best in the game for that fifty points, but for this extra thirty points, the four up armor save toughness five toughness five leadership nine yeah yeah uh, they're just dive these, bomb breath yeah, weapon yep, so versatile yeah now this thing's awesome so yeah, you can take up to six <laughs> yeah I don't if own that many if you bring six yet. of them your opponent has full permission to punch you in the dude <laughs> just. just <laughs> As a warning, if you if you're bringing the air force, like just just remember to to whenever he rolls dice to to cough and say forty k. No, no, no. Because if you bring six of these, you're taking that's 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 almost that's about five hundred points, which means you are not getting. You're either you're either having less war machines or none or or normal machines or you're losing those big units of hammers and iron breakers that you right. were taking. So you're giving something up. To run around with some guys who have no banners against for blood and glory. I'd like to see it. Four hundred and eighty points. So that's the same cost as my big unit of slayers I was talking about as throwaway earlier. Oh, there you go. I mean, it so, would be fun. It would be fun it, to it'd play be fun, in a friendly but, game. Man, like if you draw anybody who has giant blocks of troops, they will hate you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, so, it'll, be, it'll be glorious hate, but it'll, it'll be totally worth it. All right, so let's jump over to the bomber for 125 points. Uh, I believe the stats are all the same. The only difference is its weapon is that it's got that bombing run. It doesn't have the dive bomb. It doesn't have the steam gun. It has a clatter gun, which is a little, is better than the other the gun on the gyrocopter that it can take. <laughs> yes, it is. It's better than its crappy cousin. Yeah. But uh, yeah, clatter gun. Just what is it? Uh, 24-inch range, right there, it's better. Strength 4, armor piercing, multiple shots 4, quick to fire. It's just it's just a gun. Yeah, but it has more shots. Mm-hmm. Longer range. Yeah. yeah so that, that's cool. Four. You're not buying it for its gun. You're buying it for the bombing run, which is basically a a less powerful, uh, you know, it's it's the stone thrower template. It's not there, but the same strength. As the gy- the gyrocopter's flame template, um, but it is random. Yeah, it so. does. It does shift its shuffles. I've used it a couple times, and it's when it's hit, it's been pretty cool. I mean, you you fly over the unit, you put this thing down. You make sure when you're going to fly over the unit, you could fly a good distance away from it because it will scatter, and you don't <laughs> want it scattering on you. Yeah, which I don't know how that happens. You drop a bomb, and somehow the bomb. Moves weird and then gets above you and lands on your head. Dwarf engineering at its finest. There you go. It's... I'm thinking the bomb just didn't actually fall. It just like fell in the like hanger hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But strength three, six in the middle, armor piercing, multiple wounds D3 for the middle. So it's, it's like a stone throw, except you don't get the triple strength in the center. The nice thing about this is it uses the big template. Which, let's all admit, we don't get that out enough in this game. No, it, 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 nobody gets to. I think what the mortar gets to use it. I think that's about it. The the there's uh, a couple spells a here. Couple there. spells, yeah. To use it. But so you get the big template, and then after you solve it, you roll the dice, and on a four up, it scatters d six inches, and you use the small template, and it hits again. 
Dude, that happened. I only had that to work once, but man, was it cool when it worked. I mean, this is a total situational. I know a lot of people don't put a lot of stock in the gyro bombers. I think they're kind of fun because they are an extremely mobile, um, like mini grudge thrower. I think the the key word with that is fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fluffy I, I just, choice. I mean, it's they're they're fun. I mean, if you bring four of them, is it fun? Not for your opponent. But I mean, when you're bringing in one or two, they're fun. Um, do I bring them in my list? Not at this time. I mean, I'm going to try them out. I'm sure I'll try them out someday. Um, they have the same overall value as a gyrocopter in general of uh, being able to redirect and have that awesome movement and stuff. Um, I just love the absolute certainty of when I drop that template, I know what I'm going to hit. Um, and so if I drop that onto a unit of elves... With very with a very poor armor save, half those elves that I hit aren't going to be there the following turn. True, that's true. Whereas with the gyro bomber, admittedly I could take off more elves, but I could also take off no elves, and no elves that potential of hitting no elves is pretty is not good. Um, so I well, don't this, know. This fits David's mantra of you know betting heavy to win. You got to bet heavy to win heavy. For me, it's see that's your dwarven art mantra. My mantra is reliable. Um, that's oh, not my I dwarven always... mantra. That's just my mantra in everything I play. You got to bet heavy to win heavy. Of course, you never see me taking home a trophy because I bet heavy and I generally don't win. But <laughs> you you did win with that one with your uh, your your uh, undead man. Oh, that's true. That's right. I won. Uh, I remember the, the first tournament I won was actually not too long ago. I mean, like I said, I've taken a lot of second places. The first <laughs> term I ever actually won was Buckeye. Oh, there you go. I got Invasion Kenosha under my belt. Proudest moment in my Warhammer career. Oh, I uh, Buckeye Battles, I have this giant battle axe I raise over my head, and I'm like, ogres! <laughs> and I drop the battle axe into, like, you know, go into a fighting stance to take a picture, and the battle axe digs, like, a half inch out of my thumb. Ooh. Ooh. I still have a giant scar on my thumb from the first tournament I ever won. It was pretty awesome. That'll learn you. All right, we got two more units, and we're going to wrap this up and close this out and come back for tactics. Cool. Um, the Rangers. I kind of like the Rangers. Now, they I use... love Rangers if you use the models from, um, what is that, uh, Avatars of War. Those look like Rangers. Oh, that's true. Because those are the guys with the hoods on them and stuff. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I just I just had the old dwarf warriors, but I painted them in camouflage. So totally works. works. But I I kind of like the you know hooded thing. Like they look like they're doing something dark and you know Mysterious, bad. So infiltrating. No, yeah, they kind of have that. They look like Aragon a little bit because they have the hood on them. Yeah. Now they used to be just an, a zero to one choice, and uh, it was an upgrade, and so it was always expensive because it would either be warriors. Corlers or long beards. It was upgraded to a ranger for an extra one point, uh, and then throwing axes were another one point. So here they just said, "Okay, they're fourteen points, which is the extra two points that you would have paid." And basically, these rangers are the are the corler version of the old the old corler version of the rangers. And they also get throwing axes, though. Yeah. So if your crossbow, if your uh, if the dwarf crossbow. If that's if they're too close to shoot at from, you can always use your throwing. So you're basically always able to stand and shoot no matter where they're coming from. 
I think the idea is you can move and shoot because you can't move and shoot with a crossbow. And oh, that's right, and you can move and shoot as well. Yep. Uh, hand weapon, great. Well, you have to use the great weapon. Uh, they're scouts. You can take the shields for fifteen points. I kind of like the rangers. I still think they're pretty cool. I like them. Um, I don't like putting things away from my battle line, just personally. Um, unless it's like that unit of slayers or whatever, or my gyrocopters which are running forward. Um, because it's something that if my opponent like takes from me is like them getting free points. Um, right. but the Rangers, I've seen people use them really effectively in ways that I've never thought of where they've got like little units of five that are infiltrating their opponent's army. And, you know, if you can use them like that, man, all the power to you, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and that's, I love seeing new ways to use the dwarf army. Um, so, yeah. I've seen it used that way, and it's pretty. Two units of five—that's seventy-five points if you don't take a full command, and then they're right up there. Crossbows are actually at short range. If you don't move, you're you're gonna do. You can start plugging away at their, you know, at their stuff. Charge some juicy soft targets. Yeah, get their, get it. their chance for their war machines. Like I said, I still once again the rare points are at such a commodity. I I haven't used these guys yet. Yeah. Um. But the final entry is the one that I've been using a lot, which is those Iron Drakes. GW's brand new golden unit, man. They're expensive as hell, but man, I love them. Mm-hmm. 15 points a piece. They're in Grommel Armor. They're basically, I mean, they're Iron Breakers. They're Iron they're Breakers. Better than Armor. It's just, oh, that's right. Save. Yeah, that's because they've got a, they've got what, it's a six up ward at two up against flaming. Mm-hmm. So they're actually, yeah. The the whole uh, I love the fluff behind this, you know the Iron Breakers are the guys who are fighting in the tunnels. They got the Grommel armor, the best defense because they're running in those tunnels at that close quarter, close combat fighting. But they needed something for when it just gets really bad. So then you bring out the Iron Drakes who stand shoulder to shoulder in that little narrow causeway and then open up the flamethrowers. <laughs> it just <laughs> go on. I just think of them like World War like one warriors. You like World War One? They had all the gases and they used flamethrowers all the time because they're all in trenches. Yep. Like it's just a terrible war. Like not everybody's dying in droves and and whatever. And they're like the dwarfs' answer to the Skaven bringing a warp lightning, uh, warp fire cannon, or the Skaven. I'm sorry, the dwarves. I'm sorry, blah. The goblins bringing uh, squigs into it and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, at that tight, close quarters stuff that's going to come in that you can't even get at, just burn it. I like it, man. 18-inch range on these guns, strength 5 armor piercing, dwarf-crafted, flaming attacks, and quick to fire. So I can move and shoot. I can always fire, even if you're at closer range than I should be able to fire, and I take no penalty for stand and shoot. So this is the most mobile weapon in the dwarf, you know, hand weapon or you know, you know, uh, ballistic weapon uh, arsenal. Yeah. Arsenal, yeah. Then um, <laughs> your champion can have that troll hammer torpedo, which I think is another one that looks like fun. I haven't taken it yet. It's like a little bolt thrower. I mean, yeah. when you think about it. Uh-huh. The issue with the troll hammer is, is I think this unit's value is its mobility, and when the troll hammers move or shoot. It's, oh yeah, slow to fire. What's slow to fire mean? Oh, does it have move and shoot? No, okay. it doesn't say it's move or shoot. It's just slow to fire. Oh, so that means it can't stand and shoot. Oh, so it can't stand and shoot. No, but yeah, you can move and shoot with it. Yeah. Twenty-four inch strength eight flaming multiple wounds D three. 
Good work. Like I said, I like it. They can like also they can also take the cinder blast bombs, which you've decided they shouldn't take. Mm-hmm. Um, they can have a runic standard, but these guys are just money because that strength five armor piercing flaming thing. The problem is I've taken them both ways. I've taken them with small units to ten, and because they're still bullets, they're still weapon skill uh, well, or ballistic skill three. three they don't hit enough. You need to have, like, I needed to have, like, 20, 25 of them. Roll a ton of dice. It's big investments. It was. I mean, I, I spent, you know, I at 15 points a pop, I spent uh, about 400-some points on this unit. But it was, everything that came near it was dying. Mm-hmm. How do you typically run yours, Gary? <clears throat> if you um, when I'm, I'm using Dave's template, man. Uh, unit 20. Mm-hmm. Two ranks ten. Um, right now, I've got. I'm going back and forth between the rune of slowness and the rune of stoicism on them because they are a pseudo close combat unit. Mm-hmm. They have a four up armor save and a six up ward save, so that means they're actually almost. They're actually better than your dwarf warrior at that point because the dwarf warrior has a four up armor save with hand weapon shield mm-hmm. um, and a six up parry. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and they have strength four. They if if you charge when you're in horde formation, if for some odd reason you have to charge, you're dealing out a lot of strength five attacks. Um, they just do a lot of damage in the shooting phase. Um, I would probably put them. I'd have my three anchor units in the middle, and I'd probably put them on the left um, or the right right flank, whichever one I want to mm-hmm. make sure comes in weak. So I'd put them on pretty much whatever flank I would have the weaker. Center uh, core unit. So if I had like if I had to bring warriors to try and get my uh, three big blocks, I'd probably put them on the same flank as the warriors. So whatever hits the warriors is weakest. Um, but yeah, they're they're, they're they're fantastic uh, for the points cost. Uh, they're both close combat and shooting unit, which is almost unheard of nowadays. Besides your terrible Lothurn Sea Guard, <laughs> right. <laughs> And like I Sorry, said, I get spoken, dude. You play, you play elves. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll like, take it. And I said, I just went nuts with it, and I threw it in there with the BSB so that they could have the Runa Slowness, and they could be stubborn, and they could vanguard. And yeah, it was a ton of points. They lasted the whole game, and they were standing up against, they were standing up against Scarvets on cold ones. I mean, with that, with that armor save, and with that, with that, just having so many of them. It was just it was brutal. They were able to they can take they can take a hit, they can deal out a hit, and um if pretty you can, versatile overall unit. If you can at least make them fail at least one charge with that rune of slowness, you're getting off at least two or three of these bursts with mm-hmm. twenty attacks, strength five armor piercing flaming. It's just brutal. I love it. I thinking about it, if you put the rune of stoicism on the unit, that means they'll die to a man. And then the uh, BSB will let them. You can vanguard. The BSB can give them vanguard, or uh, the runes of slowness that you need to make them super effective. Exactly. So that way, if the BSB dies, they're still stubborn, but mm-hmm. he's going to let them move forward, and he's going to slow down that charge. Uh, and once they get into that, then the rune of slowness means nothing once they've completed the charge on the second attempt. So it doesn't matter anyway. So no, it's I, I love it. It's a, it's a point sink. And it's it you're you know you got to kind of build around it. I mean, I I had them go up and they held a whole flank on their own, and let the rest of my army just do what it needed to do. The only problem was my BSB was way out over there, so it's like please don't lose a combat or please don't you know 
please don't when you need a nine, don't roll that ten, eleven, or twelve. My my current build, they're three seventy for uh you've got command in them plus you've got the rune slowness uh and you got 20 of them and that's not terrible when you consider a unit of 30 warriors is 300 points uh 330 with full command yeah so you're sacrificing a unit of dwarven warriors for a unit of guys who are pretty much as effective but way better than shooting phase it's not a bad trade-off yeah, then they got those elite stats, that weapon skill five. So when they do get into combat, they're hit. It's just, it's just beautiful. Well, let's talk about uh, lists and tactics. We should take a break, come back. Yeah, we'll take a break, that. come back, I'm and, keen on that discussion, and do that. Okay. guys if you're the type of person who would rather have oral surgery than put a brush to a model then let me suggest guild painting services they're a professional painting service that ride themselves on having customer interaction like going to a local commission painter but having the quality and speed of a large studio they build paint and convert miniatures for all game systems they're competitively priced and if you want to talk quality go to guildpainting.com and check out the quality of the miniatures that they've got on display. If you're a person who likes to have a beautifully painted army on the table, but doesn't have either the time, desire, or ability to bring it to that standard, you can trust your models to the guys at Guild Painting Services at guildpainting.com. You'll be glad you checked them out. Tactics with our friend Gary Luther. So I was going to have Dave talk about his list, and I can go over yep. my list to uh, end it out. That sounds like a plan. And what uh, size list are these? Twenty four hundred. I made twenty four. Um, I did twenty five because I'm getting ready for Buckeye battles. Okay, let's do it. Okay, now after our conversation, I'm already changing my list. <laughs> well, what do you have now? Well, I got uh, I have a dwarf lord with the shield bears. I've got him with a rune of might, two runes of iron, and three of warding. So he basically. Uh, six wounds, toughness six. Um, got the uh, four up ward save. So he's just he's the tank, but I didn't give yeah. him that Sorry. much to kill. His big weakness is, and as Gary pointed out, is his only rune on his weapon is the rune of might. So if he's going up against something toughness five or more, he's strength eight. Otherwise, he's got a magic weapon that doesn't do anything. He's just a strength four. So so the rune of smiting on him will give him something that can take out pretty nasty big stuff or the rune two runes of cleaving would also increase his ability to kill basic stuff. Um so and with 5 wounds I really don't think you need the 6th. Um it's just I'm just being honest. Yeah, fortitude I could just take the plus 1 toughness where I took 2 iron which is a wound and a toughness. I could do for five more points, give him the toughness and the five-up armor save and save that. I see what you're saying. That could work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the Thane BSB with that Master Rune of Grunge Knee because, I, like I said, I, 
I just I that's still my bread and butter because mm-hmm. um, I like to put the units in that those three blocks and give everybody some safety from shooting. Oh, absolutely. Uh, a pair of runesmiths, uh, each with a rune of stone. I gave one a spellbreaker uh, rune, just a basic rune, uh, and those are my characters. I had two units of twenty longbeards, full command. They're three hundred ten points apiece, so they're that's all my core. Uh, a unit of twenty three hammerers with uh, master rune of Valia. and I, you know what? Since we talked, Gary, I'm starting to think that I might. I, I might I might try dropping that like that's something I've taken and it's been like a, a like a you know a, a, a every an auto take because I've been afraid to be dispelling it only a plus two. Mm-hmm. Um, but just think how many times do you not get a chance to dispel? Period. Like a lot of times I find that either my opponent fails to cast that big spell or he gets double sixes. So or I let buy the small spell hoping to get that big spell and he either double sixes it or doesn't make it and yeah that when after you pointed out i was thinking about it how many times i'm holding four or five dice in my hand at the end of my opponent's magic phase and that's just so frustrating in my Mm. opinion the the rule i learned when dispelling dispel the thing that you're afraid of that actually went off you can't wait all the time for that big nasty spell because they might just switch Switch it in the middle because you let this one spell off and now go off for a different direction. So because you let off, let the Doom and Darkness go off, now they're going Spirit Leech instead of the other spell because Spirit Leech can kill your character. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And 65 points is a, a rank of Longbeards. That's a lot of points. Yeah. So I might have to do that too. Uh, other than that, Organ Gun ruined up with Forging and Accuracy. Um, Are your Longbeards stubborn by chance? Uh, no, that's where I need to put that. That's the rune I need to put in there. Because that, I mean, you'd be dropping Valea, but you'd be making both units of Longbeard stubborn. See, there you go. Look at him helping me touch up my list. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got, uh, you know, I got the cannon, the organ gun, the grudge thrower, and then I had three gyros. I gave two of them vanguarding because I like having them right up there to prevent my opponent from vanguarding. Um, I, I and I, I realize it may not do a lot for me personally, but it also could mess up my opponent's game. I think that just it, as a psych out of getting my guys up there and saying, "Okay, now you're not able to vanguard through here," messing up their plan. But for forty points, I guess I don't really need to mess up their plan. I can I can let them run through, and as you pointed out, low armor saves, things like that, generally for vanguarders. I can just fly over them and do the dive bomb, bomb on them. them. Yeah. Or move 10 inches and drop your flame flame template on yeah, them. There you go. Um, so, I mean, your gyro captors just give you, have such a great versatility. Vanguarding troops, to be honest, where the dwarf army really shines is that middle of the ground area where the vanguard troops would be right in the middle of. So you don't even have to move your... Um, uh, your iron drakes because the vanguard troop stuff already moved up. Shoot it. Yeah, they're 18, in range. 18 inch range, exactly. So, I mean, that's the Vanguard stuff would be the least of my worries at that point. So, that's my list, but I now it's all sorts of tweaks already. That's that's the, yeah, that's the fun of it, right? I love learning the, the tactics. Okay, so, Gary, list out your list because yours, uh, yours is the one that's going to Buckeye. Yours is the one that's going to win at Buckeye Battles. No, it's if it does well at Buckeye, I'll be highly surprised. Um, I'm right now, I, I challenged Andrew Sherman to game round one or. 
Andrew Sherman's trying to get vengeance on me for round one of last year. Oh, that's okay. You challenge Andy. Well, there's a free win. So, oh, <laughs> oh. I did call him my luck nobbler last year. I've so. actually never played against Andy, and we've been in several tournaments now where we're playing one table away from each other. Uh-huh. And he leans over. He's like, "White Tech again? You've avoided me." I'm like, "Listen, I don't." You, you might have to grudge. What's he running at? Uh, at uh, supposedly, he's bringing the nastiest list possible. Like he told me, it's comping out at like a one because. Buckeye Battle uses the Swedish comp mm-hmm. system, and my list right now is comping out at like 11, hmm. so I'm dropping bands so I can make sure I can play Andy. Um, Wh- which army is he bringing? Um, I think he said he'd bring Chaos Warriors. Huh. I don't know. I, well, I, he's not I, bringing his Empire. Whoa. Supposedly he's not bringing his Empire, um, which... That is a surprise. Which, however he plays it, I, I will play whatever he brings. Last time he played me with a beast lord, a beast wizard, on a on a griffin, and my fire belly cooked both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, do, do you, "Does that smell chicken?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what, now you don't have to give your whole. Obviously, you know if you don't want to give. Uh, it, it's, it's okay. Uh, it's open list, so people can know what I'm bringing, anyways. Uh, Dwarf lord. Right now, my build has got the. Um, my list has got the uh, Strength 5, so he's got two runes of cleaving, rune of might, making him Strength 10, uh, f- two runes of fortitude, so he has five board save, tough six. Uh, he'll have a one-up armor save, of course, and he'll also have the 15-point um, rune of luck to give him a reroll, because at Buckeye Battles, rerolls are a big priority. Um, so he's got that. Uh, BSB in the list. My BSB is kitted, so he's got the one-up, four-up ward. Uh, great weapon. Uh, and I'll sit him into a unit just to do damage. Uh, 40 Longbeards. Uh, longbeards have the Stoicism banner. Um, no champion in the unit, just because I want them to... That 40 point... They have to earn every single model in that unit, pretty much. Hmm. And I'm dancing around it because I'm going. I keep switching back between two units of forty warriors with great weapons, or the big block of of forty longbeards. They're actually very similar in cost um, when you play around with it. Um, but that one block of of forty longbeards is actually almost is pretty much my entire core allotment. Mm-hmm. And I can switch between horde formation or regular formation. If I'm going up against somebody with a lot of great weapons in their army, I'll actually put them in horde formation. Um, because that means we're striking simultaneously, and I'll strike harder than you do simultaneously. Um, True. But if they've got stuff like a lot of man eaters or stuff they're striking at a faster initiative, then I'll probably, you know, go um, uh, either eight ranks of five or uh, ranks of six. I've got a bunch of different movement traits to play around with it. Um, and my BSB usually goes in that unit. Uh, right now, I've got one Runesmith in the list. He's completely naked, except for he's got a two-up armor save. Um, and that's just so I have another two-up armor save character in my hammer unit um, to help protect my hammer unit from just massive amounts of attack go- attacks going into it. Um, so that's core, special, uh, block of about 30 hammers, um, Right now, they've got um, 30 hammers, pretty much just basic naked. Um, they've got full command. I'm playing around with what rune to put on them, but I'm not putting the rune of Valet on them. Um, 
just because I want to save that points. I am, if I'm going the two warrior builds, putting the Rune of Groth one eye on them um, to give me a nice big 12-inch bubble of stubborn. Um, and then what else? The War Machines, I've got a Stone Thrower, two cannons, and an organ gun. Um, I forgot, I also have an engineer on the list. Um, and the the organ gun's literally there just to clear chaff. And I'm playing, I keep going back and forth. I've got either two gyros or three gyros. Um, so the list is still building itself because I'm playing, I'm playing a lot of games right now trying to figure out what, exactly what I want. Because I'm building this army for Buckeye Battles and for Screw City GT. Mm-hmm. So I ha- I'm actually buying the models as I'm playing it. Ah, okay. Very so, much a work in progress then. Yeah. Um, but that's the cool thing about this new book is this new book really it's there's no there's very few must takes um and it's i don't know i i'm really enjoying playing the army it's it's changed a lot from where it was last edition last edition it got so stiflingly the same game over mm-hmm. and over whereas this game now with vanguarding troops and all this stuff mm-hmm. i mean my slayer vanguarding unit i've been bringing that lately and it's actually been doing really well hmm, um nice. and that's just People don't see the characters charging out of the units. If you put two, a Slayer character on both sides, and it's only a 440-point block at that point. Um, and it's just a fantastic distraction, so they don't see everything else you're doing. Um, so, And then, like I said, I'm switching out the Slayer block with the, the, um, the big block of, of, uh, of Iron Drakes. So I keep going. One, if I bring one, I can't bring the other. Hmm. But I'm enjoying the heck out of playing the army. It's been a lot of fun lately. And uh, my last two games, I've I've pulled both of them out, but they've been pretty close. Okay. Excellent. Nice. Uh, quick things with Dwarven Tactics. Uh-huh. I don't know if, I, if we are going to co- cover these, but um, I was talk- I've been talking a lot about having the three big units in your core mm-hmm. right, for your center where you get your BSB and your general bubble. Yep. One thing is you have to make sure that all of your units can see each other's front rank. So you can always get your supporting charges in. Uh, it's huge. Uh. And a lot of people forget that. Okay, so as a dwarf player, you can't forget that. Because if you can't make the charge because you can't see the opponent that's in your 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 unit to your left mm-hmm. or right's flank, then you're pretty much giving them a huge advantage. And you're not doing what that, that those three blocks are supposed to do, which is supporting each other by getting those extra charges in. Uh, so make sure you, when you're deploying them down, you can see each other's front ranks. Um, and then, yeah, I think that's that's the that's the big one. Okay, that's that's Excellent. actually sage advice. I'll have to keep that in mind when I'm playing against you, dwarf players. Because it's how you set up the flank charges. Sure. And if uh, the only thing it does is it extends your flanks on your outside units, and that's where having units of the Iron Drakes guarding the flanks on that, or Unit of Thunders on the other one, uh, protecting that flank from the charge comes in. But it doesn't do too much, and it's always worth being able to get those supporting flank charges in. There you go. All right. Um, you know what? We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk a little more tactics. Sounds like a plan. All right. Take care. All dwarves have great pride in their craft, stoically taking immense pleasure in well-constructed things that are built to last. By contrast, the dwarf word for shoddiness can also translate as man-made, a damning criticism of the short-sighted human's propensity to craft ephemeral items. 
The dwarfs, the preservation and continuing use of a device is a form of respect and veneration for its creator. Thus, marveling at the awe-inspiring craft that carved the magnificent pillars within a dwarf hold can be likened to a form of worship. After all, by doing so, they are paying tribute to the ancestor gods who first gave rise to the race of dwarfs. Works from the days when Grunjni, Grimnir, Balaya, and the lesser Parthenon walked amongst their people are treasured beyond all other riches. But precious few remain, and more rare still are those items directly associated with the ancestor gods themselves. Dwarfs will travel thousands of miles to visit a destination where such things reside, such as the Shrine of Grimnir at Karakadrin, or the Stone of Grunjni standing along the Silver Road. Dwarfs, runesmiths in particular, still seek to locate the missing items of their legends, such as the famous Hammer of Grunjni or the rune-covered Dolmens of the Gods, the fabled portals from which the Ancestor Gods first step from out of the living mountains, and, it is said, from which they will one day return. And we're back, carrying on with the Dwarf Army Review. Yes, yes. The meat. Bring it on. I, I, I've been getting a little bit of stick from my co-host. I would say stick, just what, something that I might try. Yeah, well, and I, I keep writing the list, and I keep not liking it. Chris basically is convinced that you could just run with all heroes. Because their units inherently are so good, you know, high leadership, etc., I, 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 Chris, you you make an incredibly valid point. Uh, you can totally run a list with all heroes. It it works. The um, issue comes down to again the fact that of all armies, dwarves actually have a very low static armor save. Um, this is true. And the dwarf lord taking up a position of two in the front rank significantly significantly cuts back on the number of attacks coming into the unit. So if you have a unit of hammers who you really need to stick around. You put a dwarf lord in the front rank, and then you put a BSB on the other corner or a rune lord, on, runesmith on the other corner, with a one up or a two up armor save. Um, that unit's taking significantly fewer wounds, at which point you can deal them back with the attacks from the second rank, uh, and your unit stays alive much longer. So, so that's where the true value of the dwarf lord comes in, just as just protection for the unit. Everything after that's just bonus. So damage mitigation in that case. Exactly. So, if a unit of iron guts charges in, two of the, you're you're having almost two or four iron guts having to attack the dwarf lord right. at that point, um, and that's excellent uh, because I'll take those hits every day of the week. Sure. Um, there you go. Because the, the dwarf lord on shield bearers is just kind of awesome. <laughs> he really he, is. he is awesome. But with everything being so expensive, I would have thought if you save points on the lord, you know. Hit all of his benefits notwithstanding, that's more boots on the ground for you in other places. Yeah, I mean, my lord's running about 300 points, so yeah. yeah. It's really hard to run him not that unless you're just giving him a great weapon. Because right. you can make him very defensive and not give him a, really, a magic weapon at this point. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the magic weapon dwarf lord is where it's it's kind of sitting right now with me. Yeah, it's sitting that way with me too. I just, uh, I'm still... I still haven't found that. I haven't found the sweet spot yet. I'm still, every time I write a list, I'm a little bit like, meh. I'm five points short of a perfect Dwarf Lord. Five, five points. Five points. Ouch. It's so hard. Like You run, I mean, you mean you max out on the, you, you can't quite get the kit. Exactly. 
the 125. You need 130. I find the same thing every time if I try I had to run. It, points, he'd be the nastiest character in the game, mm-hmm. bar none. Exactly, and you can't get it. That's that's they've they've it's written incredibly this incredibly frustrating. Over oh, well. Ugh, it's so annoying. But yeah, but, you you could with a Thane at level at level 10, you could just run on a 2400 point list. I I could run a Thane general, a Thane BSB, and a couple of runesmiths. See, I actually don't even think you need runesmiths right now. Um, they're nice, especially in big unit of longbeards, because if you run them with hand weapon shield, um, if you get the charge, you're strength five with armor piercing, which right. is actually really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you're pulling juggernauts down at that point with the, just the number of attacks you're bringing out. Yeah. Um, but for me, I mean, if you're bringing that, if you're bringing an all heroes build, which is, it works, your BSB is actually more important than the general at that point. Because he's really just the centerpiece of the army. Um, and I actually, I came up with a really nice kit with him where you give him a great weapon, and then you can give him a four-up ward save and a one-up armor save. Because you go Master nice. of roll, uh, three runes of warding, which is 45 points, right? and that hits right at 70, 75, which is what he can bring. And then give him a great weapon, so you're attacking at strength six or seven. He's mm-hmm. a really tough BSB to get through. And he really dishes out the damage. Yeah, he's a pretty survivable character. Yeah, he's nice. Um, so there's no way, Gary, we can get you to maybe hint at uh, what your Lord build might might entail. Parts oh, of the I mean, it's not so much. It's it's not so much that I uh, I don't want to tell you. It's the fact that I just haven't hit it perfect yet. It, oh. It'd be like a, a rune lord showing you an, a rune that didn't get struck correctly. Oh. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's just how I feel. Can't, yeah, can't do Gotta it. Gotta scrap the whole thing, huh? <laughs> but just being honest, so if we're going to talk tactics, which is what this is about, yeah. uh, some things that you want to look for in your weapon runes, okay? The rune of might is going to open up so many options for your dwarf characters, okay? Uh, if you're bringing a runic weapon, don't leave home without it. I haven't run. I haven't run one yet without it. The rune of might. Uh, it it doubles your strength against anything toughness, or five. strength, toughness five or greater. Or yeah, it's yeah, tough five or greater. Yeah. So against uh, vampire lord, suddenly you're rocking out at strength eight. Oof. Uh, steam tank, your strength eight. Um, so that's that's a fantastic. Just. Hey, then you go up against juggernauts and their toughness four, and then you're yeah, yeah, four. Let's not talk about it. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. Keep that secret, beardling. <laughs> well, then you can rely more on your rank and file for the toughness four stuff. The problem is the juggernauts are just dishing out so many attacks. Yeah. You're lucky if you if your dwarf lord's taking a huge hit because he say he takes two of the juggernauts out just because of his base size. Mm-hmm. The other corner character, you're hoping, takes out another one, but chances are that corner character's dead because mm-hmm. if they get the charge on you, their strength six with a whole lot of attacks. Um, your hammers are still taking, what, four total juggernauts? Mm-hmm. If, and if they're p- packing a character in there too, you're looking at just a ridiculous number of attacks coming into those hammers before the hammers can swing. Um, so... It seems to me that the uh, the hammer is due to their costs, and the fact that they can hit so hard would be you know a, a great flanking unit. The problem is when you th- dwarves and flanking doesn't work. Hmm. Um, no, that's, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, yeah, Just being honest, I'm going to be like you know the the pro- the thing about a flanking unit is a flanking unit. Uh, think Braveheart, 
Okay, when he sell, tells the cavalry to run out there right. and then come back around, make them think that you're running away. Dwarves can't do it because they're just not fast enough. Um, you've got to keep the synergy of having your three big blocks in your center mm-hmm. uh, to play off of each other and set up the other flank charges or support. Okay, so if one unit can finish off another unit, they can turn, get the flank charge or the rear charge, um, and protect your war machines at the same time. You're so you're really trying to outgrind other units then in that scenario? Pretty much you're trying to outgrind them, but you're trying to protect your war machines at the same mm-hmm. time. So a dwarf unit has two jobs. One, hold up the opponent, then kill things. and then. But the most important, honestly, is protect your war machines. Because you can't flank, you can't keep them, you've got to keep them near your lines to keep them protected. Um if you if one unit gets wiped out suddenly they're all they're going to take two or three of your war machines at which point that's a lot of points you're you're hemorrhaging there then you're hemorrhaging a ton of points but you're hemorrhaging a ton of damage potential right so if they do that on turn 2 or turn 3 those last turn 5 and turn 6 when those war machines are fine finishing points mm-hmm. like if you shoot a organ gun into a unit of seven guys you'll probably take all seven right and they get a full points for it uh, that's when an organ gun is worth way more points, um, and they just won't make it to that point if you do start flanking your units way out, um, hmm. because you just can't protect your all your war machines at that point. See, uh, and this is where I'm running into trouble, though, with my list, because I don't necessarily want to run a gun line, but you got to have some war machines, because they're the things that are going to crack the hard armor. But then you got war machines, and you got to put down protection. And if I'm putting down protection, I'm spending more points there, and suddenly I'm in the castled-up gun line, not moving forward, protecting my my war machines. And I feel like I'm going back to that list. So I, I gotta I gotta break it down for you, Dave. Okay. Okay. I'm, Give me I'm the knowledge. I am the beardling. You are the. <laughs> lo- okay. So, um, if dwarves, if dwarves don't have any war machines, okay. They have to take a long Bhutan death march across the field. Yes, and that doesn't work. Nope. You're moving three inches. Of, uh, you you're you're mar- moving three, marching six, and you're just ex- your flanks are just wide open. It's just like, hey, I'm just charging me the flank because they can maneuver around you and get that that flank charge. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, like I said, and I don't disagree. I know you have to have war machines. I'm just I'm trying to find a balance between having them and not running. A gun line wall where I sit all the way in the back in the corner and shoot, and oh, you no. have to come to me. You've got to sit in the center of the field, uh, just because if you don't, a it makes for an unfun game. And to be honest, that's chief paramount number one rule: play a fun game. Dwarves have that 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 thing where if you go, if you don't find the balance, they become really unfun to play against. Yep. And I've never wanted to be that guy. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. You've got to find the balance in the list. And the balance is I find about 25% shooting. And it works, actually, because when you think about other armies, they spend about 25% on shooting and magic, right? Right. So if you consider they're spending 25% on magic and shooting, I'm spending 25% on shooting and war machines. Um, to that be honest, those two kind of equal out. Uh-huh. I could see and if that. you could find that balance at 25, maybe maybe 30%, but 25% is really what I like to stick it at, the rest of your army is hand-to-hand combat units, and that's what people are thinking about when they're thinking about dwarves. And um, no matter how you go, honestly, at that point, you really can't go wrong. Um, 
I'd pro- I I try and stick to the trinity of three big close combat units. Um, because two, if they take one of wait one of them away, you're hosed. Mm. Whereas if you have three and you lose one, you still have two units to maneuver and play with, you know? Right. Um, and the rest of your list kind of works itself out. You were talking about flankers earlier. Yep. Uh, the gyrocopter right now is by far, in my opinion, the, the best flanker in the game. In the game? Yes. Uh, point for point. Uh, it's going to take the, in my opinion, it takes the crown away from the saber tusk. And I'm giving it to the gyrocopter. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm putting that one in the dwarf book. Okay, it's it's ours now. That's kind of what my list is here. I actually think that's a very solid list. Ooh, go to the head of the class. Well, how many how many points or what percentage of your total army should go towards magic defense? Because it seems to me they took a big step backwards in magic defense, and they're so vulnerable to it. I concur. Right now, my my general build is one rune smith. Uh, Rune of Stone, just like you said, and um, to be honest, I'm going Breaker, just because I, I don't trust four-up saves, but they made it so cheap to get the Breaker compared to the Dispel. Might as well take it. Mm. Wait, the what do you mean? You know, Spellbreaker, you know, you can, you can upgrade your spell your spell Rune to a Spellbreaker. Oh, no, oh, I'm sorry, it's Spellbreaker. The Spell Eater is the upgrade. Yeah, spell Eater, sorry. So you're t- are you taking the Eater or the Breaker? I'm taking the... Whichever one destroys it on a four plus. Oh, okay, that's the spell eater. So tw- for twenty five points, you get the rune of spell breaking, which yes. is just a dispel. For fifty yeah. points, it's spell eating, which is you you basically uh, four up it, it destroys the spell. Yeah, four up it they lose the spell. So okay, so you you are putting a little extra in there. Yeah, uh, you put a little sauce on it, but I'm also not taking the Valaya rune right now. Um, I really my first initial builds really had it in there, um, but then I've been thinking about what's been working with me really well in ogres. And the Ogre Army, I only have a level 2. And I realized it's how you play the magic phase and the the tactics of the magic phase and knowing what to dispel and what not to and what to hold your dice on. Um, See, I always get nervous because I play against Foot of Gork. Uh, foot of Gork McGee over here. <laughs> My, well, the Orc magic phase, there's no finesse about it. Just six <laughs> dice that foot and push I, it through. But see, that's the thing, though, that all your anti-magic won't help help you most of the time against him six-dicing it. Because he has, what, an 18% chance of irresistible aim right, at yeah. that point? Um, and for some odd reason, it always feels like a lot better than 18%. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and he so, never just he never throws it, and then I never get to I've never once gotten to actually redirect that foot back on oh, you. Oh, it happens I, to me all, very. I often. know. Yeah, you almost said all the time, and I just say not all the time because I've never gotten to do it. I've sat there when you've stomped me four, or five times in a row. I'm like, damn, it seems like I'm always getting super stomped. But yeah, I mean, that, I, that, that I've, I've heard it. I've heard it. I mean, I've heard of games where you where it's messed you up that way, but that's just. This, I always yeah. I always feel like I need more magic defense because maybe it's just our local group, but there's just so much magic getting flung around. I I, I guess I, I don't feel comfortable stepping out of the of the of the mountain without the I, Rune of Valea. So I totally understand, and I think that's one of the tricks they built into the list. Anything that everybody has to bring is something that I don't necessarily want to bring because everyone's going to expect it. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, I got that. And I don't like whenever someone tells you you have to bring this to win. The list that I brought to Buckeye Battles with didn't have the Ogre Cannon in it. Everyone swears you got to have one. I didn't. Hmm. No more in Fang whatsoever. Um, wow. Scary Luther, you're my hero. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, thank you very much. But <laughs> just I'm. Well, no, I mean I agree with you. I mean I, I've said it so many times on the show. You've heard me say, Chris. I, I I like when I like when there are no one pluses in your book. I like when there's you know you've got a wide variety to choose from, and there's no one thing that you just automatically go mm-hmm. to. It's it's figuring out how to deal with things. Like the magic phase for dwarves is very similar to the magic phase with my ogres because I re- I just run firebellies. Um, stop the spells that you can that you know will be effective. Okay. A lot of times when they're throwing six dice at a spell, okay, you don't you actually won't get a, even an attempt to stop it. Right. It's gonna it, it could go off no matter what. It's out of your control at that point. Exactly. And so it's just like okay, well I can't stop that spell, but I can stop him from getting fists. Where he's going to give him a bunch of rerolls in close mm-hmm. combat, right? Um, or with the orcs and goblin magic phase. To be honest, that orc magic is just so terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm just well, being honest. It, the, the hand and the foot are really where it's at. Everything else is. And most people just six dice the foot right. because it's automatic. The it's hand almost like frightens plus me. Blaya, right. The hand frightens me when Chris when Chris plays it because one of two things is going to go on. I spent half the game getting to that unit, and then it just boop goes away. Or I spent half the game trying to avoid that unit, and boop, now it's right in front of me. <laughs> so, exactly. Right. If you know somebody's using the, the the hand really well, it gets very, very disturbing. Uh, my favorite was I was helping a friend out with the Orcs and Goblins. And they were uses his hand very well. Yes. <laughs> okay. Stay on, stay on topic. Uh, more beer. I'm uh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just be, I'm feeling silly. But uh, I seriously think it's how you play the spell, the spell game. Um, stop what you can. Um, th- those plus two, I can't say are going to be more valuable in the long run for me than say buying a spellbreaker because or a, a spell eater. Um, hmm. I I would rather have an extra one of those. Or to be honest, that sixty five points is actual runesmith. That's true. You could take the runesmith for the cost of that rune. And the thing is, you can only put it on the hammerer's unit because it's a sixty five point rune. Exactly. And they're the only unit that can take more than a 50-point banner. So unless you're sticking so, on your BSB and then he's And not... if you're putting it on your BSB, Dwarf Lords, I, I, I love you all, but don't ever put a banner on your BSB, in my humble opinion. So not even the Rune of Grungeny, because I put the Rune of Grungeny on mine. Uh, I, I, yes, it, it's it's not a bad rune. It's, That's one yeah. rune that they pull in the book that doesn't make me cry. Um, but... Hmm. I still think the BSB character needs to be a close combat character, and he's at that point he's not strength five, um, because you have to, at that point you're running him with a shield to give him a three up armor save, right? right. Um, so he has some sort of protection because it's just kind of how it works out. You wouldn't run him with a great weapon, I, I would imagine. So if you're running a dwarf lord and a thane BSB, who gets the four up ward? Um, my current build right now, uh, the Dwarf Lord's getting it. The BSB has a 5-up. Okay. But the BSB's also got a 1-up armor save. Because he's got the Master Rune of Grom roll. Exactly. Okay. So he can seriously take a hit to the face. He'll be fine. Uh, you can also get him the Rune of Luck to give him a reroll. Um, one thing to... Again, we're talking about points. I would rather spend 15 points on a Rune of Luck, which will give me a reroll on a characteristic test, or a ward save... Mm-hmm. Than I would necessarily on the Valea thing because I think it, the chances of that coming up are much higher. Right. There'll come a ch- point in the game where I need to hit a ward save, uh, whether it's killing blow or sure. whatever. I'll need that every game. 
So I, I'd rather save that 15 points to use later. So let's uh, take a step back. I know, Dave, your current list has three War Machines, and Gary, the list that you mentioned, has four. Correct. I, I get the sense that those those War Machines, whether it's three or four, the 25% that you mentioned, are at the crux of a dwarf army? No. Uh, the crux of the dwarf, that that's that's the... Um, the misconception. It, that, that's the man behind the curtain. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm waving this hand over here. Pay no attention to this right. one over here. Exactly. While they're concerned all about your war machines, the truth is the heart of the dwarf army is very hard close combat units. Okay? So literally what your war machine's number one job is is to funnel your opponents towards those very d- tough hand-to-hand combat units because your opponent could just avoid them all game. Right. Okay? Because you, if you're running six inches forward the entire game you barely make it across the board. Right. Okay? So your war machines are there to make them pay if they're trying to avoid you. Okay? That's what they're there for. Um, my war machines are trying to make them pay a higher price. Okay. <laughs> so the people who complain, oh, you're just running a gun line, those are the people who generally want to get in combat with you anyway. Exactly. So I don't have to run a gun line. I've got my guns to soften you up a bit, but I'm also trying to run forward. And exactly. get into combat with those blocks. I, so. I want to get in combat. My goal is uh, the number one goal of my of my dwarf army is if I can get his units down twenty five percent. Okay, I'm sitting good because that twenty five percent pays for my war machines. See what I'm saying? Yeah, okay, so good then point. we're going seventy five percent on seventy five percent close combat, right? Right. If I can get him down to fifty percent of his close combat strength with just using war machines really well. I can handle them rest with redirectors using the, the gyrocopters mm-hmm. to redirect, okay, to get myself in good charging position or good receiving position to only take the charges I want. And that is the beauty of the gyrocopters. And I know what Gary's talking about saying they're the best redirection. They fly. So they're, yeah. mo- they're movement 10 swift strides. So when, I, when you flee with them, you move. So if yes. you decide, if someone charges you and you decide to flee, they're either going to try and chase you and and have t- trouble catching you, or they're gonna you're going to move. They're going to redirect. You're going to your leadership nine. You're right, going to turn gonna, around gonna rally, and, yeah. and rally and go back and, and keep harassing and annoying. Them. It's like a super eagle, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a super eagle. The best part about it, it's I'm not going to call it a super eagle. Okay, just just one second because we I've, I've, I just remem- remembered it. You guys something that said something about Grimnir being. Possibly hash it on your last show. Yeah. Oh, that was that I was. Need to call you both out on that now, and it needs to be announced before I hang up. That okay. was not me. That was Mike Hackstad that Mike's said theory. that, and that but... was not my theory. In fact, if you listen very carefully, Dave to was that upset show, by that. Chris actually I, says, I "Dave, you're upset." Now, but I need strong denials here. I did not know. I didn't agree with that at all. I didn't know where that came from, and I didn't know what to say. Like I was literally like, I stopped. I said. Okay, with, without any other facts in the case, you could make that argument. And I sat there going, but, but, no, what? And Chris is yeah. looking at me. He's like, no. Dave, you're just confused and upset. I'm like, well, <laughs> hey, he's a guest. I don't want to tell the guest, hey, shut up. <laughs> I, I would like to say I, I don't know your friend, but if I ever see him at a table with my dwarves, vengeance is being called. Oh, he runs dwarves, too. So he runs. It's okay. Obviously, he's of the chaos variety. No oh, oh, ouch. Oh. Ah. Well, Book so, of grudges. We're hoping entered. Mike's going to get to come out to Adepticon next year. So if he, if I, he does I, I make it. I would a game against him. Yeah. That would be fun. So, sorry about that. Didn't mean to. So, <laughs> going back to <laughs> I had to bring that out just because 
it was it was sitting in my my, my dwarf hold here game set right? <laughs> that almost got written down in Gary's books. Right. <laughs> oh, it's already there, man. <laughs> Hack stands in the book of grudges for his calling. It'll be paid in either blood or beer, whichever comes first. Right. <laughs> Calling okay. grunge Nihashu to just <laughs> it's fighting words right there. Right, well, you know what? Here, let's talk about these gyros, and then t- and then we're going to take a break. So let's uh, okay. sure. let's get these so the, gyros. The, main, the big big bonus of the gyrocopter is yes, Dave's absolutely right. It can flee, and it's it's it'll chances are it might it'll get away because it flees three d six. But the cool part about the gyrocopter, unlike the saber tusk or the other uh, redirectors that a lot of the people use, is it can take a charge and live. And then it'll break, but it, it'll get away. Mm. So it's not automatically sacrificing stuff. Okay? If you put him up against a unit that's charging him at strength 3 or strength 4, mm-hmm. there's a very solid chance at tough 5 he makes it through the combat. Yep. And then he'll just break because they're not going to pursue. Because if they roll a 3, I'm in their flank. Because I'm redirecting near my line. Sure. You see what I'm saying? And so now my gyrocopter got away, or even if they catch it, chances are I can still get a flank charge or a rear charge on them. What's the uh, armor save on that copter? Four. It's a four, four up. up. Toughness five, three wounds, four up, four armor up. save. So Leadership nine. Yeah, that, that is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and what's really great is against, just remember, frenzy troops have to overrun. Mm-hmm. So think about that with juggernauts, okay? You can make them go really far away from your line. Right. By redirecting them when they're really close to your dwarf line, try and wait till you sucker them in past the halfway mark, yep. and then close the door. But hold, yeah, exactly. Hold, exactly. Now, shoot, and then because then they're far away from your line, you get another two shirt turns to shoot at them. And if you have another gyrocopter, then you sack another one and you make them overrun, <laughs> facing the same direction, and you shoot them again. And when there's only two or three left, then you charge them. Because they're mm. just so disgusting. Mm. So um, that that's that's how you deal. That's the only way I can figure out with dwarves right now to deal with them is, and it's the gyrocopter. The gyrocopter's immense ability to redirect at the time at this moment. Makes Plus, sense. they've got that fantastic. I mean, you know, I know it's only strength. What's it? Strength three? Is it strength three armor piercing? No, strength three armor piercing. Yeah, strength three armor piercing for the uh, the you know the steam gun. Mm-hmm. But if you're not char- if you're not marching. Every turn, right? You got that oh, yeah. big template. Yeah, it's only strength three against about a third to half of the, you know, somewhere a little over a third of the armies. That's that's wounding on a four up against Skaven, okay? Oh, yeah. uh, who are bringing big blocks of storm vermin against uh, units of like um, my uh, my good friend Caps brings these gigantic units of Empire halberdiers, which he just uses amazingly. Hmm. I I would not hesitate to drop three flame templates on one turn one on on those units every turn and not feel bad about it at all. They're disgusting, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and that's just if you can take if you can clear out, you're hitting twenty nine guys against horde formation on twenty twenty oh, mil. Jeez, nice. Yeah, anything any elf would would fear that for sure. Swordmasters start crying a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, gyrocopters. Um, and your gyrocopter's number one job when you're facing high elves. They can take out war machines, okay? Yeah. Very, very easily. Uh, bolt throwers, empire cannons, mm. everything but an ogre cannon is pretty much prey of a gyrocopter because gyrocopters have two strength five attacks. So you get charge. Oh, that's right, because on the charge. No, no, no. Gyrocopters are base strength four. 
Right. They don't have the plus one strength rule. Okay, so then how do you get Char- the strength five attack? So you get two strength four attacks every single turn. Oh, okay. I thought you said strength five attacks. So I was just like, what? Sorry. Two strength four attacks. Right. Um, but they're tough five, so most strength three war machine crews aren't going to touch they're them. They're not going to wound them, yeah. Um, and so you'll clear out those jar- those bolt throwers on turn one, or ter- I'm sorry, mm-hmm. on turn two. Um, and uh, they probably won't see it coming, to be honest. Or if they do, you're forcing them to shoot your copters with those bolt throwers versus something more valuable. Exactly. Can you fire into combat with your steam gun? No. No, I didn't think so. Okay. Yeah, no firing into combat. That's 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 scaven. That's a scaven that's thing. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, I'm no, I mean, like if you're in combat, if the steam, go, if the gyrocopter oh, no, itself it's not, is in it's combat, not a breath weapon. So right, because it's yeah, no close combat. Right, it's not a breath weapon, but you still have to, you still can't, you still can't march and use it. So right, correct. Like if it was a breath weapon, you technically could march and use it because the breath weapon says you can, right. yep. you can march and still use it. Right, but this one you can't, but you can use it every turn. And yay, yes. Okay. So that's that's it. Gyrocopters. If you could, the the closer you can get them when you do the redirect, the way more valuable it would be. Um, and then you'll get your dwarf units in positions to charge. And charging's way better. Let's be honest. We all love the plus one ward save, do our armor save, but plus one strength is just awesome. That's king. Yeah. Yep. All right. You know what? Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, matchups, good and bad matchups, and still, there's still more stuff on. Are you making general list? tactics? We've sure. talked. I mean, we've talked a little bit about the you know the rares, but I'd like to talk a little bit about the cores and the specials too because it's such a huge part of the list. Excellent. All right, we'll be right back. folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish-level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com. And seriously, guys, you'll be glad you did. We are back talking more tactics. With uh, with Gary Luther and my always ever present and better half of the show, Chris, you, you set me up for some weird. Uh... No, no, because I don't sit around and just mock my uh, co-host for their. I don't do that either. <laughs> <laughs> I love the dwarves. <laughs> 
I, 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 it sounds like you're being sarcastic here. Okay. <laughs> Can you I'm hear it through the through Skype? Oh goodness! Well, it's two to one. I, I can't, I can't say much. Yeah, what was that? Mike said last episode. Usually, with Don't. two to one faction, you have to pay more. Just <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was good. Did Mike say last? Don't make us put this into a vote. <laughs> yeah, I'll get outvoted. So let's talk uh, matchups. Well, like I said, I wanted to talk a little bit about when Gary's talking his tactics. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about his his core and his and his uh, special choices. Okay. Now, you stick strictly with long beards? No, I. I there's actually uh, two builds right now that I really I like a lot. A is the solid long beard build, which is just a big block of forty long beards. Do you, um, do you run them hard? Why not? Um, <laughs> When you're stubborn to the last dwarf, I mean, come on. More attacks. Dealing yeah. so much damage. Uh, admittedly, you're going to take a punch to the face, but that first turn of combat, they're going to regret it. Especially if, going back to the new rule book, if they have hatred on that first turn, mm. you're dealing out 31 without a character you know, attack in there. 31 strength 6 attacks. If you get the charge, they're strength 7. If you have hatred, they have rerolls. So that's a lot of attacks, and the best part is they're core and stubborn. That is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. You I'm, put the stubborn banner on them, and then it's brutal. Yeah, I mean, you put that into anybody else's core unit. Tell me what stands up to that. I can I mean, the only thing I can really think that would would be maybe like a horde of ogres, maybe. Um, but that's just a significant amount of attacks. Now, admittedly, if your opponent's running at you, okay, what you need to do, the, the key to keeping a horde alive is to not get triple or double charged mm -hmm. by things you don't want to be charged by, okay? Um, if I have a horde, the first thing I look at across the table is, do they have man-eaters? Do they have something with just a ton of attacks that goes before great weapons, Okay, because then I'm up a I'm up a creek. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Okay, so target prioritization in that case. Exactly, because in that in that kind of setup, the manager's got to die first. Hmm. Uh, okay, every shot in my army, it, the manager. I don't care if they have a cannon. The managers have to die. Um, hmm. because the managers, if you if they hit you and say they have a block of eight managers. That's 30, if, if, if they field them like I do, and you don't get the redirect so mm -hmm. they get the charge on you, um, if they're bringing a block of eight, and they're like me at least, they mm -hmm. put the dragon hide banner on them, oh, so yeah. they're one ones. Ugh. So they're charging in, if they're swift stride, or whatever, chances are they're going to have D3 impact hits each. And those are all hitting at strength six. So you're going to lose about seven to eight dwarves on the charge. Okay? Yeah. Then they're going to get all their attacks, and you're going to lose another 15, 12 to 15, because eight of them are dishing out 32 attacks. Yeah. So suddenly your horde is down under half strength, and you haven't swung yet. Okay? Add in breath weapon and all that stuff. You've got 10 dwarves attacking. Oh, man. And then wow. suddenly they're like, oh, look, you did damage to us. That's great. But our stomps go simultaneously. Right. At which point you just throw dice at them. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all you can do. Um, so, but if you can cut them down so there's only four man eaters charging you, uh, their attacks drop significantly. Mm -hmm. 
um, and your chances of winning that combat go up. If you can make a main, uh, Iron Guts charge you, then you'll... That's okay. I mean, hmm. they'll kill, again, eight, nine guys on the impacts, mm-hmm. uh, but you'll still do a lot of damage because you're striking simultaneously. Um, it comes down to that simultaneous with great weapons thing. They'll kill a lot of you, but you'll kill a lot of them. You just can't let two blocks charge you at the same time. So two blocks of Iron Guts will wipe out your horde. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. one block of Iron Guts, chances are you can kill a lot of them. Um, if you are going up against Ogres, I might recommend going... 40 guys would actually be better going 6 by however many rank, profile. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather have the rank bonus at that point and cut down on the number of attacks they're dealing into me. Hmm. Until I can see that my war machines have been effective enough, where the horde would be better off. Okay. Um, against lizard men, I'd wait. I'd much rather be in a horde formation because those longbeards do a lot more damage than Saurus. Um, because the Saurus are just strength four attacks. Strength four, yeah. They're not wounding right. me on twos, um, and they have to hit me. So they're cutting down half their attacks on the to hit roll. And they're cutting down another half their attacks on the wound roll. So I'm losing maybe seven to nine guys. I'm okay with that. Yeah, or you're, you're killing tons of them back. Exactly. Okay. Cool. So your goal is just to prevent that, and that's where the redirecting is going to come up. Mm-hmm. In that mid-game where you can't just let that them get two very long charges on you. Not counting chariots and stuff. Chariots are, are just really good chaff, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Uh, I'm just talking about big blocks of troops charging your block of troops. Um, okay. Say yep. like juggernauts would count anything that's really really nasty in close combat, and can dish out a lot of attacks with twenty or more attacks is what I'm talking about. Okay, and a um, little bit last last bit of tactics when you're running, you've got your you've got your three war machines, you got your blocks. Um, are you right now mostly hammers? Oh. um... No, actually, I mean, I've, I've played a couple Longbeard, I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry, Ironbreaker builds. I just don't th- think they do enough damage. Um, yeah. I like a block of hammers. I also like the Slayer rules a lot now. I think they did a good job redesigning them. They're not like they used to be. Um, so, honestly, I'm switching out hammers and Slayers back and forth. I'm actually sometimes bringing two blocks, and my three big blocks are one block of Longbeard's one block of hammers, one block of slayers. How many slayers in that block? Uh, minimum 30. 30. And usually they're rocking 6 by 5 hmm. um, Got a slayer character in there. Um, he's just there for a surprise, really. Um, sometimes hmm. he has the rune of might and uh, extra attacks. Sometimes he's just running with his BVDs. I'm not sure. I like I like the rune of might uh, coupled with the uh, the... Rune of Flight. Oh, throwing that, throwing the, throwing it at him. That's yeah. It's just how much is the Rune of Flight? It's what twenty five points. Yeah, and then you're sacking your Master Rune on the weapon. That's so. Then you can't get the Rune of Smiting on there. Yeah, but if you if you're if you're running the 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 big Slayer, yeah, he he's throwing that thing at him. He's hitting on what hitting hitting on twos, wounded on at fours at best is doing d3 wounds against the monster we mm-hmm. have to re-roll the ward save if it's got one 
It'll ca- the frontal flight will make it count as a close combat attack. Uh, yeah, in fact, it says when it hits, uh, it it count it it does it, it does everything just as if you were in close combat. See, that's a, that is a nasty little trick, sir. Can I get back to four units for one second? I just want to bring something. Oh, up. sure, sure. Um, I kind of got sidetracked on Longbeard thing. I apologize. Um, another thing I like doing right now is hammers. I'll put the rune of Stromni in there, so make the units with the twelve inches stubborn. Okay, mm-hmm. so then you have a nice big stubborn bubble, and then. Big blocks of warriors, because you can almost afford two blocks of thirty warriors for the cost of the long beards. That's true. Uh, and so now all your troops are stubborn within that twelve inches, um, and it gives you actually more points. And that's how I actually can bring in the um, the extra firepower I need, like the uh, iron drakes. Hmm. Cool. Very cool. The warriors I found just. Uh, I mean they they. They have numbers, I suppose, and they are stubborn. But Strength three, weapon skill four. Yeah, they, just, they die. Yeah, you give them great weapons, and they're still hitting at strength five or six. Mm. Um, and they're just they're cheaper, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The fourteen point longbeard's really good. It's just he gets the prohibitively expensive. Yeah. I see what you're saying with that. So, oh, but uh, real quick, just the master rune of flight. It uh, range of twelve inches always hits on a two up. Roll to wound as if the target had suffered a hit from the weapon in close combat. Any additional runes still also take effect. After this, it goes back to the wielder, and then you can use it in close combat as normal. If only it could have the sniper rule. <laughs> <laughs> Where are yeah. you, GW? That need to happen. I'm just saying. <laughs> Strike like the hammer of Thor. <laughs> yeah right. All right. So Chris, you had uh, army some army. Uh, uh, no, I, I just wanted matchups. to kind of oh. talk about in general uh, what matchups did you guys feel were good matchups or or bad ones in terms of you know types of armies, but then specific builds per army. Uh, my least favorite matchup. I don't know if uh, if Dave wants to bite me up on this. I still hate fighting uh, incredibly flighty armies. Armies that are designed to disengage entirely like Dark Elves. Mm-hmm. Avoidance um, armies are the devil. Because um, those armies are really just designed to try and pick and pick at your units. And what they're trying to do is just trying to get small amounts of points. Right. So then you have to commit to like running at them. Mm-hmm. And again, that's just Bhutan Death March. You're just going <laughs> to lose a lot of stuff real quick, man. That's not your game, right? They're forcing no. you to play a game that you don't want to play. Exactly. Especially since they have that Dark Pegasus character yeah. who has the three-up ward save from the the Cloak of Twilight, which, okay, if I can't have the Hammer of Thor and sniping, how come he gets a three-up ward save and does D3 with <laughs> Good point. Where's the fairness, man? <laughs> but okay. Yeah, they're so cheaty elves. Duplicitous, cheaty... Dark elves. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the warlocks, man, making, they can uh, cast... Um, what is it? The the soul spell that make, soul blight soul makes... Soul blight, yeah. Everyone minus one toughness, and then just dump tons of shots into you. Yeah. And so suddenly you're sitting at tough two dwarves, and that's just no bueno. And they, they can six dice that one with no worries, too. Mm-hmm. And even after the first, you know, you move up your six inches, they move anywhere. Even if you get off a good long charge, they're just going to flee it. They just, yeah, that, that avoidance army. Like when I, I played against you, Chris, when you tried out your, your all that flying stuff the, list. All the high yeah. It, it was a nightmare. Like, I pulled off a win because I was lucky because you're like, well, I just want to see what happens and committed to a bad combat. Right. And that's the only reason I won because 
I'm just running forward. I'll get you, and then one is going to go to behind you. Oh crap! Turn yeah, around. Any, anytime I see uh, a unit with a dwarf lord, my first inclination is, is to never see that in combat at all because I know he can. He's going to punch me in the face if I fight him. So can I? The way you beat that army, and I learned this lesson at um, Siege of the Tower, um, is small arms fire. So your iron drakes are going to be very valuable in that mm-hmm. game. Um, your uh, organ guns are going to be very valuable in that yep. game. But you, what you got to watch out for is you got to watch out for them shooting your shooting stuff. Iron drakes are really cool because they get that really nice armor save and ward save. Um, hmm. So what I would say is against that kind of army, use your organ gun to try and pick off their flanks as best as possible. Mm-hmm. Take out those warlocks if they've got them, um, and then make them desperate and have to come at you. That's the only way you can do it. And their level fours, um, if they're if they're running their level four in a unit of cavalry, blow the cavalry up and then get a shot on the wizard. Um, hmm. Okay. And that's because a lot of people will do that now because they're putting the wizard in a unit of dark riders or whatever, mm-hmm. so they're just so mobile. But if you get any sort of shot on it, whether it's with a uh, uh, stone thrower, whether it's with um, an organ gun, whether it's with your iron drakes, even if you have to pull a desperate move and, and move them up to get it, take the shot because there's a chance you can then snipe the level four. Because everyone I've seen with it's been running like a level four shadow. So they get two soul blights from the dark riders or three soul blights, plus they still get wither, which just mm. makes their shooting phase ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. That's a bad combo. Yeah. yeah. Barring that, if you can, they're tw- they have twenty four inch range with their crossbows, so their crossbows have to be in range of your organ gun. Hmm. If you blow their big ten or fifteen man units of crossbows out, suddenly their damage potential goes down significantly. Uh, and once you take that away from them, they have a very hard time. Right. Yeah, that's true. That organ gun is it. it they made the right tweaks, I think, to that one. <laughs> so allowing it to take runes is just awesome. It is. The problem with the runes is it just doubles or triples the cost. Yeah, but... So, because not only do you have to bring the pl- the forging rune, uh, which gives you, what, the re-roll the war... The re-roll the misfire. Okay. Yeah, you get to re-roll the artillery dice, but then you can also take accuracy and get the... Uh, plus one to hit. Plus but one. But then most people are taking also the... the uh, uh, engineer to give them another plus one to hit, pretty much. Oh, well, geez, yeah. Because that makes it bliss skill five at that point, um, which is awesome. Um, but at the same point, that that model it's one seventy with the runes plus seventy for the engineer. Oof. So now you're looking at what two forty? I'm you know, not great at math, but that <laughs> double the cost of the old organ gun. Right. Yeah, it's quite an investment. Yeah. Usually, uh, uh, when I when I score up against a, a dwarf player, I usually tar- I go for their war machines first because chances are they're pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. And then maybe one or you know what some of the smaller supporting blocks that they might have out on the outsides. Yeah. That's, that's where the dwarf go players got to know how to de- protect their war machines. Yeah, uh, and that's de- that comes down to the deployment phase. Um, don't give your enemy easy shots on your war machines. Keep them. Keep your your units tight and keep the war machines behind them. Mm-hmm. And then use your your small arms fire or your gyrocopters to keep them off the war machines. The gyrocopters having those bomb attacks now where it drops the artillery dice on a unit it moves over, mm-hmm. is awesome for clearing out war machine killers. 
So I'll use that on a, a saber tusk every day of the week. Hmm. Yeah, you only get that once a game. But I that that was my tactic was, and I played it against you guys was, you want to get you know behind their units so they can't shoot you or attack you. So you get that first twenty inch charge where you can't use your steam gun. That's where you fly over them and drop and and uh, do the dive bomb. Mm-hmm. And you just aim for something that you know is heading straight for your war machines. Because uh, if you could take out that threat, it's great. Um, so if you got a hill, thing- do you not put them on the hill? Oh, no. I never put them behind hill- on hills. Hmm. It makes them bigger targets. Uh, if you don't – so your dwarf your, – your, your warriors and your hammers can all shimmy two inches sideways. Okay? You can move up and wheel to give your war machines clear shots. Your 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 stone throwers fire says says they pick range off the top of the crossbar. Right, so they can see, see over. over. They can see your over your units. Fine, mm. that's that's never the problem. Okay. The organ the the cannon has to see the point at which it's firing. So if you clear fire lanes, okay, and keep them behind your troops, okay, it keeps them protected. Mm-hmm. And as long as you know what you're shooting at in the movement phase and not the shooting phase, mm-hmm. you can set it up so it's very hard for them to charge you, but you can clearly see what you're shooting at. So when you describe it that way, it, it kind of um, goes against the stigma of the, the dwarf as a static, non-moving army. But when you describe it that way, it's there's a lot of movement going on. Uh, see, I don't think the dwarves are uh, a beginner's army. Okay? And it comes down to this. Um, that's right. You got to have skills to play this army. That's why none of you guys pointing his finger at me. That's right why now. none of y'all nice. busters nice. ever want to play it. That's why we're sitting there. That's why everybody hates us. Yeah, you've got to. This army takes. Okay, this entire army got way more expensive. Okay, mm. the entire army moves has movement three. You're going to be out magic every game you ever play. Okay, mm-hmm. this army requires being stubborn. Okay, yeah. and knowing how to use what you got. And if you can do that, then you can play this army well. Um, I didn't really learn the movement phase until I started playing ogres a lot more. Okay, um, and it really cemented just how important movement is. Hmm. That's the reason why for dwarves it's a tough army to start with because you get into that mentality of dwarves don't move. Right. Turn one, my dwarf units are shuffling, man. Like you'll think they're in Monty Python. They're just like. Well, see, and that's the problem I always had because you take the quarrelers or the thunderers, and if they move, they move or fire. So it's like you find a place for them, you set them down, and you pray to God you never have to move them mm-hmm. because then they can't shoot. And then you get into that whole static, that very that's, static that, trap. I usually um, I got into this habit a long time ago where you put your static shooters on your flanks, okay, um, and – you, you, the reason why you put them out on your flanks is so they don't have to do the shuffle, okay? Um, and their their arc is they always can fire towards the middle and clear out stuff running at your line. They're like they also, uh, zone defense guys. Exactly. Right. Okay. Uh, they'll take the shot on on flankers coming in if they can get it, and then your organ guns are the war machines you deploy on to the right and left mm-hmm. of your big blocks. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they can clear out things that are coming to the flanks of the of the thunderers or iron drakes. Nice, All and right. that we're clearing clearing those flanks out. But right. uh, we're talking about things that are giving dwarves heck right now, right? Yeah. Yep. Sorry, I didn't mean to. to no, no, to that's all right. No, no, go ahead. Um, I don't know. What have you had the biggest problem with there, Dave? 
Okay, and this is going to be my next question. My biggest problem that I seem to have is against things that are like can fly and can move fast because that was our last game of Triumph and Treachery. I only had my dwarfs about two inches in front of my organ gun and my cannon, and next thing I knew, Screamers of Zinch were just going right over all my units and right into my war machines. Well, I think you moved your units up, though, and gave that little window of space to allow that combat to happen. I, they, I, only, I they only had two inches between them. I just wasn't picturing needing much more than that, but... Um, but, that, but that was enough for the Screamers to land. And, yeah, it was yeah. just enough for the Screamers yeah. to land and get in there because they were able on the charge. That's where I run into trouble is protecting that stuff against the flyers because otherwise I've got, like you said, I've got the blocks around it. I've got the gyros around it. But when they can fly, if you give them an inch, you know, they, they'll, they'll, they can ignore the one inch rule because they're on the charge. They'll slip right in there. and. So this is where having really cheap characters will come in handy. Um, they can't slip them in there if they're charging um, because part of it requires a wheel. To mm-hmm. hit, like, say you put your war machines one inch behind your dwarf units. Mm-hmm. Okay, the way they're getting in there is they're charging in, and then they're they're tinking. They're like literally touching barely the corner in, and they're wheeling in. Yeah. Whereas if you put like a Slayer character or your engineer to the left or right of the war machine, they can't do that. Hmm. I see. so it actually prevents them from sneaking through because they can't land and then do the wheel in. They have to charge those characters first. Right. Well, because when you hit a war machine, you just you don't you don't wheel or close the door or anything. They just wherever they hit, they hit. That's what but the trouble I run into. But you still have to hit. Like it still has to be like a legal charge. Like so, if you're you have to still have to make contact. Right. And so if they have a big block of the guys, they still have to maneuver in. So they still have as many guys touching it as possible. So the screamers, unless they're running, unless when they charge, they were one by three. Okay, they still have to try and get at least two or three in contact contact with it. Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. At which point they would have to close the door. Because most of them aren't going to be running one by three on that initial charge. Well, no, see, I, now, I, now, okay, and I guess this is a, a, a general Warhammer rules discussion. I didn't think they had to do that. I mean, you have to try to maximize, but Correct. because maximize. there's no base, as long as they touch with anything, they're in, and you don't close the door. You absolutely don't close the door on war machines. Um. Because that, it, it, they have to bring as many models into contact as possible. That's the way I've always played it. Yeah, but without a base, there is no there is no real measurement of that. I've always put my war machines on bases, though. So that's oh, just... see, yeah, I don't because I actually I always kind of thought of that as a benefit. I remember talking about this with Andy Sherman. Well, that's one of those gray areas in terms of the rules. But I, I think Gary, your point is to to situate your units and characters in such a way where they they can't complete that legal charge. Correct. Because they can't just come and clip and just put, like, the, the tiniest corner on there. They've got to be able to actually hit and land. And if, if you put them in, like, so say your dwarf unit is about six inches wide. If you put them in the middle of those dwarf units because you know the flyers are coming, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then you put your characters... Right in front of that war machine. Right, not to the, right, to the left and right. Mm-hmm. So the units in front... The unit, the characters are the left and right. They'll it'll be oh, almost right. impossible to actually hit the war machines at that point. Okay. And the following turn, your war machines and your troops get to clear them out. Um, and that's yeah. if they're heading directly right for right for you. Um, if before that, you've got to kill them before they can get there. Uh, and that's with gyrocopters. Gyrocopters can fly over a unit of screamers, cause some damage. Okay. But still, screamers suck. <laughs> 
<laughs> for the record, uh, how do you go from being strength three, tough three, to being flying sharks of doom? I don't know. <laughs> I remember when you, like a, a unit of screamers couldn't do anything, and now they're taking out massive chunks of units. Yeah, they're they're definitely pretty good. Yeah, they um, were they were pretty brutal. But yeah, that that's my biggest my biggest problem is playing against the the, the massive uh, flying and really fast armies because I have trouble protecting my stuff. Then yeah, um, at that point, I might, it might even be worth blocking up your stuff and putting like a unit in front and then bringing the other two because, like I said, I run my blocks in threes, um, putting the other ones to the left and right of the flank. And then just try and populate the area. So there's literally they'd have to fly into the middle, and there's no way for them to really mm-hmm. land in the middle. If you see what I'm saying, right? Because the war machines are one inch away from each other, kind of like a little triangle. Yeah, right. If you're really afraid of getting that, have them getting that turn one charge. Because in Triumph and Treachery game, you're not you're closer than you normally would be right. in a regular game. Right. Um, I played one of those games recently, by the way. That's an awesome supplement, GW. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah. I mean, talk about for after a couple of, you know, the last couple of supplements people have been really sort of lukewarm on or, or even cold on. Mm-hmm. That Triumph and Treachery was a huge... It they, just came out and smacked... And the thing is, people were so apprehensive, they didn't want to buy it. But I, uh, a couple of our club guys threw in for it, and we just had a ball playing it. So I think it's, it's, it's well worth the money. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Gary uh, yeah, uh, deploying and keeping a nice tight formation. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point, you know, softening up uh, enemy blocks before you engage in combat? At what point do you start to move forward to force that combat? I suppose that depends on the success rate of your war machines. Is that like kind of? It, it, it actually it really depends on the success rate of your enemy uh, more than your war machines. Huh. Um, if it depends on what they're threatening, just to be honest, um, if they're if they're coming hard and I can't stop them with redirectors, mm-hmm. so they only get, like, my redirectors can stop two out of three charges if I'm bringing two gyrocopters, okay? Mm-hmm. And this is, say, turn two when they're, turn two or turn three when they're about to make their charges. So when they make that, I can stop two of those charges with redirectors. That one charge that's going to get through, I get to pick that charge. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So how I position it, is do, 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 I, do I want to charge my middle one? Do I want to charge my left flank? I just want to make sure that no matter which one he chooses, the following turn I'll get a flank charge on. Mm-hmm. And then I can take that unit. You see it, what I'm saying? It, it, likewise, whichever one that you choose to allow to happen, that's the one you're probably shooting up to weaken so you can even Actually, up Actually, I'm usually shooting at the other ones because oh. I want him to charge me. Because I know because he only sees this turn where he's going to come in and charge cause mm-hmm. damage on me. I'm the one who knows that I'm stubborn. Right. And I know that I'm still going to be there no matter what he does. I'm banking on the fact that he doesn't have enough attacks in that unit to wipe me out. To kill you to a model. Interesting. Exactly. Hmm. Now, occasionally, I, get, I, I do get surprised. But it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Keeps the game fresh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, oof, but um, Well, I, I bring that up because, David, in our Triumph Treachery game, that, you just brought this up. Uh, you moved your units forward a little bit. To give to to and that created the gap for those flyers to land in and get to your war machines. And I, I noticed you doing that during your movement phase, and I wasn't quite sure. And I know that you want to like move forward to f- force combat. No, actually, you wanna, I didn't, you don't I didn't move forward. Static. I just I didn't have any shots the way I had the the because I had two units of thunderers because I figured they have the shorter range, but mm-hmm. everything's close. But after I had placed where everyone placed around, I had no shots. 
So I basically kind of angled him a little bit to get a little, you know, I changed my uh, change my sh- my shooting so arc. You, you, you sacrifice creating that gap in order to get shooting with yeah. the Thunderers. Yeah, I had no shooting, so I'm like, well, I just need to shuffle him a little bit. So basically, was I that his first game of Triumph and Treachery? No, but it was my first game of Triumph and Treachery with dwarfs. So it's honestly with Triumph and Treachery, it's a completely different animal. Yeah, uh, it's it's like Warhammer 1.2. You know, it's <laughs> right. Uh, your tr- the tactics you use in Triumph and Treachery, which is one reason why I love it, are complete are to me completely different than I would normally play in a normal Warhammer mm-hmm. game. So, like those Thunderers that you were talking about bringing, the way deployment works in Triumph and Treachery, it's actually hurting a dwarf player at that point to have them, uh, because people because you deploy and so close go, exactly, yeah. and if someone knows that they're going right next to you, they try and run the other way. If mm-hmm. you've got a bunch of guns pointed right at them, you know, yeah. And they'll let someone else deal with you. So, so I mean, that's just kind of how it works. Because also, I mean, if you say you're going to declare me as your enemy in the shooting phase, I go, mm, here's a card that says you don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no, at there which point, you're completely hosed as a dwarf player. Yeah. Yeah, that did. I, that I, hurts. I've, I've had that happen. I had that happen to me at least once or twice during that game. Of course, I didn't take a BSB either because it was a really low point. We were paying 1,000 points apiece. Mm-hmm. And I failed five fear checks. Over the course of the game, I was just like, I wanted to cry. Against Alex Gonzalez, yeah. who, who you know, Gary. All I was uh, well, I, I know Alex very well. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine. So, <sighs> oh, yeah, that's Triumph of Treachery. It's an awesome supplement, but uh, it's a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. Nor, luckily, in regular Warhammer, that happens very rarely. Cool. So, hopefully, you will have time to deal with them. And I, by time, I mean a turn. Hmm. If you're lucky, you have two. Um, and so, you just have to make those two turns count. And if all your war machines misfire on that turn, then you have to have that other 75% of your army that's close combat and nasty mm-hmm. hold up to the opponent and make them and, and, and hurt them enough to make it work, to make it okay. Because, I mean, think about it. How many times do you have a wizard and they have a really bad magic phase? True. Yeah. You okay. roll up that three and you're like, well, there you go. And there's your magic phase, right? That's kind of how dwarven war machines go, Okay. Sometimes they misfire and you don't do anything, just like those wizards needed to do something those turns. You've got to make up for the fact that you didn't have a good magic phase. The dwarfs have to make up for the fact they didn't have a good shooting phase. It can't all wait on the shooting phase. That's not the linchpin of the dwarf army. It's just a means to an end. Nice. Hmm. All right, well, listen, we need to take another break. Uh, And when we come back, we will wrap up any last bits of tactics and then probably... That's going to be it for the Dwarf Review, I think. So uh, we'll be back in in just a minute. And uh, all right. Dwarfs are shorter and stouter than men and are known for their broad shoulders, beards, and stamina. The most defining characteristic of dwarfs, however, is a gruff and stubborn nature. The dwarf's innate obstinacy is the stuff of legends, and countless tales speak of both the great fortunes and the tragedies of this epic resolve. Positive accounts of the dwarf's tenacity speak of perseverance against all odds, a refusal to ever willingly accept defeat. Other sagas tell of dogged loyalty, of dwarfs holding true to their word, honoring oaths despite vast dangers or the passage of centuries. It is this same fierce determination that drives dwarf craftsmen to attain the pinnacles of engineering and architectural wonder that they realize through sweat and sheer perseverance. 
Yet, the adamancy of the dwarfs has all proven to be the very cause of their downfall. Indeed, their unforgiving nature has led the dwarfs to fight horrific and bloody wars. By taking slight at the least provocation, or by refusing to back down, the dwarf race has lost countless allies, and begun untold battles in which they had little chance of surviving. Even in their unmatched feats of work, the belligerent streak of dwarfs causes problems. Their fabled intolerance of flaws means that upon perceiving the slightest defect, they will set about any amount of painstaking labor to rectify matters to their complete satisfaction. If this means wrecking all progress and starting over, then so be it. And we're back, talking some more dwarf action. Yes, we are. So, uh, Gary, we talked. You know, we we talked about our list builds. We talked about what you like to take, but um, let's let's focus a little bit on you know uh, matchups and and where the dwarfs really shine. What what is what is that thing that makes them? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go on a long shot here. Okay, I really think dwarves shine against the trinity right now of, of armies. Okay. The High Elves. I think dwarves do incredibly well against High Elves. And everyone's going to be like, oh, what are you talking about? Well, high, dwarven static shooting is fantastic against them. Mm. Okay, put an organ gun into a unit of sisters, and um, they're, they're, they're gone. <laughs> put a gyrocopter into a unit of sisters, yeah. and poof, they're gone. Um, they've got phoenixes. Well, I've got a cannon. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying. I think the Elven army is the one arm. Is the High Elf army in its its current incarnation on the on the tournament scene? The dwarves have an answer for everything, and I really think they'll do very well against it. You just need to know your priorities mm. and what do you got to kill. It can be tough, but I will agree with you, Gary. And I and I'm not just agreeing with you because you're on the show. I think they are a good matchup against High Elves. Um, I think a, plus, a lot of times you're playing against people who have just sort of recently picked up the High Elves. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're playing against someone who's played them a really long time and and has that army down to a precision scalpel, oh, I don't know, maybe like, you know, somebody in your gaming group who plays them a lot. You know, <laughs> you give th- me too much credit. Oh, dude, you, you make it hard. The, the way that I like to play those High Elves is, you know, during the deployment, I pick the one spot that I want to attack and focus on mm-hmm. and deploy towards that end. Oh, absolutely. That's um, that's kind of how you. I think high elves have to do it. Right. I mean, to be honest, because your the army is is it's it's too expensive to to fight on all fronts. Exactly. But the the high elves are usually a thirty three percent split. You know, I was talking about dwarves doing twenty five percent shooting. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people are going up to like fifty percent shooting. That's just, in my opinion, crazy. Right. But the the high elves are going thirty three percent in magic and shooting at that point because most of them are bringing. Bolt throwers, sure. they're bringing wizards, they're bringing um, sisters, sisters. And, yeah, archers, sir. Um, and for the most part, I can laugh out off the the strength three bow fire. The sisters can do damage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish think, you could laugh it off as well as it did in the fluff, where the dwarves stood out there for four hours and no arrows hurt them until the elves ran out of arrows, got mad, and had to charge them. That would be awesome. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I our, just, our golden age has passed us, but man, I'm telling you, it, it'll come back. Yeah, Thor we got stubborn. It it, we'll get there. Um, but the for me, for the high elves, when you can drop a strength four stone thrower shot and hit 
every sister in the unit. Yeah, that's uh, bad they don't news. they don't get up and walk away from that. No, yeah, uh, I certainly can't afford to take a shot like that. I never uh, face sisters. I mean, because you and you and Harrison don't really play them. I'm seeing them in a lot of armies right now. In, uh, in large numbers? Usually, if yeah. I take them, they'll be like a 5 or a 10 model unit. Well, most of the ones I'm seeing right now are 3 ranks of 5. That's, that, that's how Justin Berge runs his. Okay. Uh, he runs them ridiculously effectively. Um, I played uh, in a tournament last weekend that was a Buckeye Battles Primer. Uh, guy had a block of 20 of them. Oof. Um, they're wow. up close and personal because they have a lot of times they're going to have quick to fire because they put the character in them. Yeah. They just deal a ton of damage. Uh, they were wiping out units of ogres because um, wow. I had, uh, yeah, um, that, that was pulling two or three ogre models uh, every every shot. And if you're an ogre army pulling three models with just one shot, um, it's going to be a long game. So I think the dwarves do really well against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the bolt throwers, you've got your gyrocopters who are just heading right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're dropping rocks on the way, so high elves is just a great matchup for dwarves. What are your thoughts on the uh, like the dragon prince boss with the choppy lord that charges in? Oh, he's dirty, but I, I just don't think he can hold his. They just can't hold it when I'm redirecting them and getting a, char- a charge with strength seven hammers. Yeah, true. Or strength seven longbeards. Yeah, because in your banner uh, of the I don't care, I don't have any magic dragon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, does that work against um, ruined-up weapons? Yeah, ruined-up oh. weapons count as magic yeah. attack. So, yes, my lord okay. with a ruined-up weapon wouldn't do much against you. But all the hammerers standing next to sure, him. Sure, that are yeah mundane strength stuff. Yeah. Yeah. My, my main goal is to go, hey, is that your choppy lord? Come come, come, chop this armor. <laughs> right. And then my rest of the guys are, are going, you know, plunk, plunk on your yeah. head. Oh, yeah. And, um, so that's that goal. Um, okay. I won't force that to happen. Uh, my main goal is to probably get rid of if you're running a block of fifteen, mm-hmm. get rid. If I can get you one rank down, I feel like I'm going to be up on that combat. All right. Um. So yeah, that's. I, I think the the dwarves do well against high elves. You just have to know what to pick. The phoenixes are what they're going to probably be sending at your war machines. Mm-hmm. So if you can get an organ gun shot on a phoenix, take it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, yes it's putting yes. the frost fang on fives. But the Frostfang still only has, what, four wounds? Uh, the Frostheart has five wounds. Five heart, five wounds, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Still, if you hit it 15 times or 14 times, you'll still cause a lot of wounds on them. Yeah, it's, at the end of the day, it's only five wounds. I mean, those go, go go by pretty quick. Between an organ gun and a cannon, that thing could... Or uh, the... the um, uh, the Iron Drakes can take can can cause serious damage yeah. on strength five, so yeah, I, I just feel it's a good matchup. I still think Chaos is a money matchup for dwarves, um, and it's mostly because the way people everyone's running Chaos now. Demons or warriors? Um, to be honest, both. I, I don't have a problem with either. That's right. <laughs> Clear them all out, <laughs> uh, dude. If I if I could be Ungroom heading into Chaos Waste, I mean, I totally would. But no. Um, <laughs> As long as you don't come out as Hashut, because <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's not how this game roll ends. Okay? <laughs> Again, blood or beer, sir. <laughs> um, but no, uh, against chaos, you've got the redirect on hit. Like the current build on chaos is tons of fast or or um, no, almost no one's bringing chaos warriors right now. I've been I've played four Chaos Warrior armies at the last three tournaments, mm-hmm. and not a single I didn't play a single Chaos Warrior. Hmm. 
What do you think? Which to me is incredibly sad. <laughs> it's yeah, to, I would agree with that. It's back to that. It used to be it was all uh, Marauder Cavan Marauders. It was the, the Warriors of Chaos Army with no Warriors, and it's kind of gone back to that. A That's little all bit. chariots. Oh, it's and now they've got the chariots. They're still bringing the Marauders for core points, and then they're just loading up on jugs. And they've mm-hmm. always they've got the the Hell Cannon because they're like, yeah, you know, there's some shooting in there. Right. Uh, and they've got the lords with the three up ward saves, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. That's and a, that's when you just pray for blood and glory, and you're like, okay, I'll just, I gotta kill one unit, yeah, get you Pretty out because they don't have the banners because they've got all chariots and stuff. So against those warriors, is is it the same operation? You divert the two combats you don't want, and then you you sort of funnel the one that you do want. Uh, the first goal on that army is to clear the chaff uh, because you don't want them redirecting you. Mm. Uh, because when you can get, when you finally get them in a position to charge, you don't want them to take that away from you. Yeah. So clear out the Marauders, um, clear out that stupid level one Shadow Wizard that everyone's got running on the Beast. Mm-hmm. If you can, he's only got an armor save. He doesn't have a ward save, generally speaking. Um, because people are bringing the switchy thing where he casts the Shadow spell and they switch oh, the right. speed with him. Yep. Um, oh yeah. It's stupid. I'm not. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 no bueno. Um, but yeah, if you can clear him off, you take away one of their big options. He's also there to cast miasma on your troops, because mm. uh, usually they they're running him as level one just to get that spell off. So his troops are hitting you on threes, and you're hitting him on fives. Um, and that's one way they're trying to they can really cut down on your long beards or your hammerers. Mm. So um, clear the chaff quick because the chaff is all strength three with no armor saves mm-hmm. and. Then just keep that juggernaut block, which has to overrun, okay, going sideways. And as it's going sideways, you're putting cannonballs through it, mm. okay, and Try making get those them points. pay for it. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, and the chimeras and all that fun stuff, we have stuff to deal with it. Yeah. If you're running three or four war machines, make one or two of them flaming. And chimeras just don't like that. Um, this is so. Good. That's it. How uh, would you deal with that uh, the the, car- the the warrior hero on a disc? He's got the th- I think it's a three up rerollable ward save on ones. Yeah, three up rerolling the ones. Yeah. yeah. First thing I want to do right now is I've got a beer. I'm gonna I'm gonna I would like to say I'd like pour out one for my homie because <laughs> I, I really mourn the loss of the rune of challenge. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It was my best friend. We went to high school and college together. <laughs> uh, we had many great memories. Me and it used to take out chaos dragons all the time. Nice. We thought they were in my flank, and then I'd turn and say, "Come get some." And what did that rune do again? Any unit that's that can make a legal charge. Oh, that's right. Not immune to psych. Must make the charge or flee. Uh. So when they put that chaos dragon on their flank, then facing inwards, you just turn your unit and say, "Come get some," or flee off the board. And then when they do charge, your dwarf lord challenges and goes, "Hey, you can't wound me." And then you still bust them off the board because the way you turned your unit. Nice. It, De- nice. I, I did it to Dennis Gunya twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's okay. He's he's amazing Chaos Warrior player, but yeah. it was the it, it was a good day. Um, so but no. Now, so nowadays you don't that, you no longer have that. So what are, what are the options? Because I find that character to be just a oh, nightmare. I just ignore him. The biggest the best way you can deal with it right now is make it make. Take away the easy charge on your war machines. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the way you do that is you you have to move your war machines kind of 
center them and then protect them with your blocks so he can't land that stupid thing. Once you get it in combat with one of your blocks, you can break him Mm because generally speaking, they're not running stubborn on him. Right. Because they can't, most of the time they can't with what the kind of kit they're running on it. And he has a very hard time dealing enough wounds to win against three ranks and standard. Right. So um, you're hoping static combat res is going to win that combat and break him. Well, you're trying to hold him up, to be honest. I mean, a gyrocopter can hold him up. Uh, because mm. a lot of times they can't wound the gyrocopter. Or if they do win combat, they're only winning by one or two. So if you're possibly within range of your general or range of your BSB, rerollable seven or rerollable nine. I mean, you're making that. It's makeable. As long as you can pin that guy. And that's the trick. Also, panic is a great way to kill that thing. Yes. Um, I uh, did did that to Jeremy Gostrock at uh, one tournament where I popped his chimera and then panicked the guy. He's a a leadership eight, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of times we're running him as wizards. Right. Uh, So, recommend doing that. Um, Most of the time, they're only running one of those characters. Mm Mm-hmm. So you can't ignore them, but at the same time, they're not your number one priority. That's Firing your cannonballs at him is exactly what he wants. Mm-hmm. They want to suck that cannonball in so that cannonball is not taking out a chimera right. or taking out a juggernaut. Um, and so you just you can't – you got to ignore the fly kind of and set the fly up. Um, and that's, that's, the, that's the best recommendation, recommendation I can get. Uh, if by chance it's a chaos lord, your dwarf lord, if you swing it with the with the with the sword of with the rid of might, will pop him pretty quick. Hmm. And occasionally they are running lords on discs, um, and that's nasty. But to be honest, I'd actually rather face that than a wizard on disc. And so, who's the third army? Where's... Oh, there were dwarves you're good at. Yeah, I mean, besides, de- I I still think demons are a rough rough matchup for dwarves. Um, if they're bringing, I mean. Besides wall. That's the fun thing about dwarves, bro. Okay. Uh, our unit champions can bring magic items, right? Right. So I don't have to devote uh, flaming onto a character. I can give the unit champion the uh. five-point rune that makes them flaming, and then I, sac- I, I take a regen off the entire unit before the great weapon swing. Aha. So... That regen wall of doom for Nurgle is actually really not that bad. That's right, because if you even if you put the 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 character on a hammerer, if you give him, because you could take runic items, mm-hmm. you can give him that. So he's not using his hammer; he's using the runed up hand weapon. Correct. And so then he's not striking last. So you take away the the the, the regen. Oh, okay. And they still Same. got their five up. They still have a five-up board save, and you can't do anything about that. Right, And if the Demon Army's popping their five-up board saves, whatever, man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just got to roll with it. Not not counting Epidemus, I think the Dwarves have the best shot against against that army. Because think about, I mean, what's the nastiest part about that stupid list? The Greater Demons are disgusting. Mm -hmm. Dwarves have answers for all of them. the Either in close combat, my dwarf lords killed more greater demons than I care to count. Hmm. Um, admittedly, it was part of it was the last book, but the new book, he can still kill greater demons. Mm-hmm. The cannons can kill greater demons, as can the stone throwers. Yep. And an organ gun firing at a greater demon is still doing a significant amount of damage. Um, and most people now are running the big blocks, and the big blocks can be redirected with the gyrocopters. Um, he's going to have furies. Furies are tough three. 
So you pop the gyrocopter over them, and suddenly mm-hmm. they're taking a significant amount of wounds from the dropping bombs, um, and you're clearing their chaff out. Um, so now it's just block on block, and my blocks win if I position them correctly. Mm-hmm. Your goal is not to ever have it so one of your dwarf units is only in combat. Your goal is for when they charge you, the following turn you'll get a supporting unit in hmm. every time. And that's how you position your units. Um, so you're trying to always get that complementary charge by blocking your opponent and then getting that complementary charge. So that minus one to hit from the Nurgle block, you're you're avoiding it until you have to use it anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, because the minus one to hit... I'm still hitting you on three. I'm hitting you on fours at that point. Mm-hmm. Hitting you on fours isn't that bad. God, you know, it'd be awesome if I have hatred. Then it's really not that bad, yeah, right? You know, um, but playing ogres. To be honest, I'm used to hitting on fours. Uh, hammers and and longbeards hitting on fours. It's not. It's really not that terrible considering you're hitting on fours, winning on twos, um, and they've go. only got a five aboard save. So you're dishing out a serious number of attacks with the hammers and the long beards, mm-hmm. and uh, you'll be killing them faster than they're killing you. Now you're just hoping they don't pop the double ones or whatever. Sure. But at that point, that doesn't happen enough to make it reliable. So I don't have to. I'm not. I can't worry you about can't those plan around it. Random you know? tangents, you know. Yeah. So nice. I think the dwarves do really well against demons. So those are the armies that the dwarves shine against. Which ones are the armies that they? Don't fare too well against none. I, I, uh, oh, none, huh? <laughs> oh no! B- back me up on this. I, I'm gonna go ogres. Um, ogres can be rough because they have so many attacks, and they got the stomp, and they got the impact hits. That there's there's and they're the, fast moving. There's the dwarf's biggest weakness: an all infantry army. If you've got stomping thunder, stomping stuff left and right, you're just picking up extra wounds on us at the yeah. end of every combat. Because no, there's. I mean. What the the gyrocopter and the war machines can't be stomped? I think that's like it. Everything else in the army, you just stomp. You can, yeah. Yeah. Can so pretty much, you're giving up a thirty a thirty two point ogre, which is a a the base ogre model with an extra hand weapon has four attacks base plus an impact hit on the charge. Which let's be honest, those probably going to be charging you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, plus a stomp. So that. 30-point model has six attacks. Just mathematically mm-hmm. think about it. Six strength, four attacks against your infantry. That's actually really rough. Yeah, that's pretty rough. I have to have three hammers to do that kind of damage, and three hammers cost a lot more attack, mm-hmm. a lot more points. Okay? Absolutely. So the way you can... You've got to mitigate the ogres. Um, a, you've got to block their charges. Kill their saber tusks quick mm-hmm. um, because those are coming around the mountain trying to get to your war machines yep. um, and you just can't afford to ignore them because those war machines are how you're going to win the game later on uh, turn one and turn two those war machines are going to pick things off and, and do some damage but once they hit your units and they'll, they'll probably break one or two of your units mm-hmm. but your goal is to have done enough damage to them where you can still still win the game okay. um, Ogres are just in your face on turn two, maybe turn yeah. three if you're lucky. Um, yeah, and you that can twelve read inch first turn movement, and then yeah, they're right there. Um, so that's that. That's the big rough part about ogres, and they just have so many wounds that they suck it up really. They suck up damage really well. Mm. So if I get 
10 wounds with an organ gun, I'm only really pulling three models. Um, and that's just not enough. Right. Um, so I actually was playing a dwarf army at a, cause I've, I've been playing ogres. I mean, you know, ogres. ogres. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I played a, a good, a really great, Dwarf players getting back into the dwarves um, at uh, this Buckeye Primer I went to last weekend, and my army had literally taken fifty percent damage at that point. Jeez. My ogres had because he had just done so much damage for me coming in, and he had four war machines, but his line was so spread out that he just couldn't use all of his dwarf units together. Mm-hmm. And so, literally, I picked on his picked on his right flank, and I collapsed it. Even though I was at, I, I literally only had about. A, a unit into that, mm-hmm. um, but he just couldn't support it at all, and I was blocking his charge, his counter charge. So hmm. I ended up pulling the game out. With by the time my close combat actually hit, I was only at like half strength at best. Um, Boy, and uh, the game was exci- The game was really exciting. I, I really thought it was it was going to swing his way, um, but part of it's just the way I, I know how to play the ogres. Um, where your fire bellies are um, really, really awesome um, chaff. Because, to be mm-hmm. honest, this is a dwarf tactic, so I don't want to tell people how to beat dwarves. <laughs> but, uh, your flame template with a fire belly is way more useful in the shooting phase than it is in the close combat phase. Yeah, well, of course, you, you you're going to be hitting more models. But nobody uses it that way. Most people try. Most people wait till they get in combat, and they're like, "Hey, two d six per hits." With the amount of attacks the ogres deal out, it's just never worth it. Hmm. It's still way better to possibly get the twenty or twenty nine hits from the breath weapon because you're just clearing out so many more models. Um, and God forbid you put flaming sword on them before they do the breath weapon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah. Um, so ogres are rough. Uh... Ogres are rough. I'd say the other. Really big rough matchup for the dwarves um, is. Uh, I, I think it's just any, anyone who's running that avoidance win by a hundred and five points avoidance list because we don't have the speed to catch them if they yeah. if they're going to dance all around. So my big thing, if you're playing that avoidance list, take the objectives away because I mean I'm talking about tournament games. Nobody plays an avoidance list for fun. They're usually playing it because nobody loved them as a child is what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Stink cloud, Stink cloud comes to Stink mind. Cloud, so, something went wrong, and they're like, I'm just going to play a war game, but I'm not going to play war. You know? <laughs> so, uh, Noblar. Noblar. Uh, roadblocks. Yeah, roadblocks. Yeah. So what you, what you need to do is, at that point, if you're going to lose the game, then take every objective away from them so it's a hollow win. Mm. And, I, I mean, that's just gr- being a dwarf one at one. I mean, <laughs> give, give them nothing and take from them everything. The scorched earth plan. Okay, if they're going to win, win by five, if they're going to win by, you know, a five point margin, then I'm going to score every, I'm going to do my best to take every objective from them. So I make them then start having to make mistakes because they're going to realize that or I'm going to tell them that. Hmm. And suddenly their game plan changes and you get them playing on their back foot. Um, and that's just look at Gary psyching him out. Little, yeah, it's what you got to do. Psychology. I mean, when you're playing at a big tournament, I mean, Adepticon or whatever, the objective points is how you win the game, man. Mm, yeah, true. How you win the tournament. The only reason why we won the t- team tournament, the Adepticon team tournament, is we got every objective point, every scenario point. Yeah, those are big. Um, because in that big of a field, 
one point is the difference between first and second place. Oh, yeah. um, so you may you just you have to plan on getting those objectives. And if you if your opponent is playing the avoidance game, then you okay. Well, you can avoid that, but you're going to avoid getting the objective. And if the objective is killing my dwarf general, which a lot of times and you know it can be in these tournament settings, make sure your dwarf general lives. Uh, keep him in a unit so he gets to look out Sir Tess. Uh, if you, if they're going to throw one of those instant death spells at him, that's the one that take every other hit, but six. Di- make sure you save your six dice for that. Spell. Sure, right. You know, um, and a lot of people would try to say, "Hey, I saved my six dice for that, anyways." But that means you're taking some things you don't really want, like Soul Blight. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I'll take a Soul Blight, which I normally wouldn't, if if I knew that they'd have to kill my Dwarf Lord to get that objective. Because then there's a chance they're going to start making mistakes. Because they're going to realize that they're not going to get the objective as easily. Mm, yep. So they're going to commit something that they didn't want to commit. And that's where you can possibly come back and get the points at. So, Interesting. And that's just, that's just my... That's how I've, I've had to play it in the past. And small arms fire, I know a lot of people have swore it off. But um, it's how you beat that army. So the Iron Drakes... They're going to come in so much handy against that game, mm. in that game, because they can move and fire without penalty, you know? Yep. Um, and I'm telling they, they're really great at getting up there and taking out a big unit of crossbows. Uh, so. Yep, that's it. That's it. Um, nice. And so the Avoidance Army, and what's the other big army that, my, that I've had problems with in the past? VC has got a lot of chaff nowadays. A really good VC army ha- is popping six units of chaff easy. Hmm. Um, so those are vampire bats, ethereal hosts, yeah, some of that yep, stuff. Yep. And it's just the swarm tactic, um, and it's just so hard to deal with when your opponent has. You know, most armies have are have ten drops. I've seen VC armies now that have fifteen to twenty Oof, drops. Jeez. And uh, that's a hard army to beat. Um, they're protecting their general because they they know all that chaff depends on the general. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not going to run him right to my Dwarf Lord, which, you know, kudos, smart move. Right. Uh, yeah. Here's a big block of zombies. Keep killing them. Right, I'll make more. Right. <laughs> exactly. But um, when you have a guy who's bringing three bat, three units of bat, um, two, three units of two bat swarms to tie up your war machines, and he's also bringing three of the ethereal spirit hosts, hosts yep. or spirit hosts, you know, it just gets really hard to to do the numbers on all of that mm. stuff. Um and so that's just an overwhelming tactic. And against those, generally speaking, I find I have to go on the offensive. Um, your war machines at that point, they're less valuable because they just there's so many wounds that they can't do it all. Hmm. So at that point, you, um, you pick the juiciest target, you take the shot, and you know say your prayers to Grimnir, man. Mm. That's it. <laughs> go for the war machines are dying. Yeah. That's that's the one army where I go. Okay, well, I've got to drive a stake through the heart of this army, literally, you know. Um, and you go find what you have to kill. Um, and they there's other armies out like like that too, which are just have so much chaff that they overwhelm you with it. Orcs and um, goblins comes to mind. Yes, uh, a good orc and goblin army right now that's popping like five characters on wolf and two units of wolf riders mm. and. All that stuff, your war machines are 
not going to make it very fat, very long because right. you can only kill so many things. Throwing your manglers and a couple pump wagons for flavor and. Yep. yep. Um, but you've got what you've got to do is you've got to cause maximum impact while you can. Yep. Uh, on those games, you you cause the serious damage. Like you 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 try and take it out of his big close combat unit. His uh, trolls, you know, you got a secret with like. I'm running my hammer champion right now with just the flame rune on him, mm-hmm. uh, just because it gives me that extra little trick. Right. Uh, that will, it's honestly, not obvious to him. Exactly. Yeah. You'll see. You'll see my dwarf lord, and my dwarf lord. I'll be like, oh, he's so nasty. But the the hammer character with three strength four flaming attacks, that'll pop the regen off the trolls, and mm. suddenly my unit's gonna kill a lot more trolls. This is true. So. Um, Interesting. Good stuff. There we go. Here endeth the lesson. Wow. That was a lot of fun, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Uh, I guess we're going to wrap up here. Mm-hmm. Wow, Gary, thank you so much for coming on and uh, schooling everybody. Uh, Not no, just us, man. but everyone who's listening. Uh, seeing. All of you guys who poo-pooed and don't want to talk about dwarves and they suck and I'm not even going to do a review. There you go. Gary. Gary's the guy, man. And I'm telling you right now, if you if if ever anybody out there really thinks the dwarfs suck, come play mine and we'll have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> there will be lots of blood, but there will also be beers. It'll be a lot of fun and it'll be a good game. That does sound well, good. There you go. All right, folks, uh, thank you so much for listening to our very comprehensive dwarf review. Um, yeah, basics, guys. You know the drill. Leave us a review on iTunes. Buy a hoodie. Join sign up for the forums. Sign up for the forums, all that stuff. And um, stay tuned for next episode where a battle in the War of Vengeance will be happening. It might be, oh, you guys are doing a vengeance game? It, yeah. It might be High Elves or it might be Orcs and Goblins. Might be Orcs. Hey, you've already played the High Elves, so yes. I figured change of pace little orcs I, I'll take a little hatred I'll take it I like it <laughs> I'll give you the hatred it's I'll take free hatred it's cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. works for me so um, yeah and we'll have that on uh, on a live recording so until then everyone uh, thanks for listening and we'll be back in a few weeks take care guys take care guys you've been listening to Garage Hammer if you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter, follow David at Garage Hammer, and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garage Hammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.